Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club's 7th Annual St. Paddy's Day Drinking Bonanza and then Drinking Ridiculous Amounts More Celebration Extravaganza, or some crazy bullshit like that. Tonight, your favorite crew of mischievous drunken leprechauns will be discussing the 2021 Robert Bronzy action flick, The Gardener while smoking the Geneve Cathair Green Cigar from Cavalier Cigars, paired with, as always, a truly mind-blowing amount of craft beers. Sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. I'll probably need to turn my, my phone down, huh? Everybody shut your damn phones off. Doctor, turn your damn ringer off. Well, you certainly are hosting the show like a drunken Irishman. <laughs> want to fight me? Is that what you want? I don't fight fair. I do nut stuff. I do all sorts of things. <laughs> I know you do nut stuff. <laughs> the only way I know how. The only way Kate does know how. <laughs> That's just a little more nut stuff than the law will allow. Okay, guys, you ready? Quick sip of podcasting serum. Learning juice. All right. Before we get started tonight, I've got a bit of breaking news to share with everyone. If I can be serious for just one moment. I, Matt A. Cade, chairman in chief of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, have just has just issued a no-fly zone order for the airspace directly above the corner of No Hope here in Central Texas. As of this even, evening at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, any Russian aircraft that dare fly over the corner of No Hope risks seeing me standing outside taking a rock and piss 
while giving them two very passionate middle fingers. You've been warned. God bless the Tuesday Night Cigar Club and God bless America. Good night, everybody. All right. That is it. We are out of here. Have you heard the news of this Tuesday Night Cigar Club sanction? Nyet, 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 nyet. <laughs> All right, boys. We're d- oh, wait. This is, this is the beginning of the show. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Let's get the rust off. Uh, we still got to do the, the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Indeed. Shit. That's what okay. we do. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 153. Yeah. It is <laughs> our seventh annual St. Patty's Day drinking bonanza and then drinking ridiculous amounts more celebration oh. extravaganza. Or some crazy bullshit like that. We got you a party whole pe- lot of Guinness over here with my name on it. You party people ready to party? Yes. 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 Good answer. Uh, and Yad Boy, I'm assuming that you are knee deep in preparations for a rather large upcoming party yourself. Indeed, give, I am. Give us and our horny listeners the scoop on what's going down at our beloved O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas for St. Patty's Day this year. Well, I wish I could say that there was be something new other than just great live music. Okay. Copious amounts of Guinness and Irish food Mm -hmm. served all day long. August? No, that's Scottish. That's Scottish. That was a test. If you said yes, I was going to be like, dude, you have time. You got to change that menu. Quesadillas? No. See? There you go. Just just checking. Uh, Green beer? Perhaps. Perhaps some green beer. Are you tourist? Are you guys really gonna? Are you guys thinking about not getting it this year? I'm just like, uh, it's, it's a hassle as opposed to drinking sweet, delicious Guinness. It really is, and I know you're like still trying to get rid of that green beer, like in April. I still have last year's green beer. It's not a big seller. Okay, it's uh, no longer green because of dye, though, so that might be a problem. So live live music. If somebody on- comes up there and asks you about the green beer, just say supply chain. It's the supply chain. Yeah. Thanks, Biden. <laughs> Are you going to have General Chow's chicken for everybody? No. Good answer. Okay. It sounds like you guys. It sounds like you guys know what you're doing. So live bangers music- and mash. Bangers and mash. Yes. yes. Shepherd's pie. Yes. You that guys big make- honking roast beef sandwich. No. no. Uh, fish and chips. Yes. <laughs> uh, you guys have the best fish and chips in all of Central Texas. Um, so you guys are gonna have live music. You're gonna have good ice cold Guinness, Irish food, and the lovable and always ready to hold down a conversation. Lesker Brothers there to uh, rock you into the wee hours of the night. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Until March 18th, when they're both passed out for a three-day coma. Yeah, we don't we don't see them for uh, about a week after St. <laughs> Patty's Day, but uh, okay. Well, um, if you are anywhere near uh, O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas, the second home of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, please get your ass down there. It's always fun. They got a nice patio. You can have a cigar. Um, get there early if you want to see it on the patio. I imagine. Uh, I'm talking like 10 in the morning, maybe. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
uh, St. Patty's Day is nuts. Uh, I have not been to one in several years because I'm old and cranky. But uh, man, it's it's a lot of fun. This will be our 15th St. Patrick's Day. Good Lord, wow, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. Think, let, the, let that number sink in for a while. Oh. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Are you? Because I kind of remember St. Patty's Day number one. Well, I barely do. I think Yax is having a stroke. <laughs> if only it was that simple. If only we had a Even doctor. If I had one, I'd start to go to work. <laughs> Somebody call a doctor. Doctor? All right, Cody, immediately do this. Take a deep breath and hold it for as long as you can. No, wait, that's what you do when somebody's having a stroke. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of the hiccups, doctor. I'm sorry. Are you a doctor? <laughs> uh, well, Todd, uh, are the Olympics finally over? I know you're big. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. You're a big Olympics guy. Every time I talk to you, you'd be checking out the the Olympic Games. Uh, what were some of your favorite Olympic memories from this year, Todd? Oh man, uh, there's a there was a New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand snowboarder who was just freaking flipping awesome uh, and come to find out he had the little headphones on when he did like this spectacular run. So the dude, you could just see the dude just jamming up there on the top of the hill, just yeah, getting into it and then just plops down, does some amazing fucking tricks, hits the bottom perfectly and just looks into the camera. It's just like, yeah, I love that kind of, I love the swagger. No, he didn't, (laughs) but I love the swagger. You know, the thing uh, is, he was actually a terrible snowboarder. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean, the uh, the redhead, uh, the basically the grandfather of snowboarding. Uh, it was his last Olympics, and it was really cool because he gets the, he finishes his run and he's not going to medal, and it's kind of it's a little sad because you know just you want him to go out on a high note. But it was cool because like all the other sco- snowboarders from all the other countries were down there, and they're just. You could tell that they're they're going up to him and saying, "Man, you you inspired me to get into this because they're almost you know ten twenty or ten fifteen years younger than him, and he's just trying to hold it together and he's just wiping tears away and you could tell that it was unexpected so that was kind of cool. I can uh, t- I can tell by your face that it was special to you too. Well, you're beaming. Sure. Uh, that's kind of how I feel when I'm like in an airport or something and someone comes up to me and they. Some young whippersnapper's got a young a little podcast. He's like, you know, I grew up listening to Tuesday Night Scar Club and can't believe you're here. And uh, and then he'll accidentally bump into Tut and Tut will scream at him for spilling his burger <laughs> his Burger King coffee. That only happened once. That only happened once. But no, I, I know exactly how you feel. Like uh, when we were going out to uh, Vegas and I think we were in L.A. and a little kid came up to me and he was like, "Are you Tut from Tuesday Night Scar Club?" And I was like, yes, yes, I am. And he was like, you know, one day I hope to be a side bit player on a podcast and take just as much shit as you do. And I, it just it, it made me a little bit a little bit weepy. Yeah, I, I feel you. I that was to say that he really praised you and said, Tut, someday I hope I have the ability to withstand assholes the way that you do. <laughs> uh, well. That just shows you how much Tut drinks in airports. Tut, that that wasn't a small child. That was that was a little person. Oh, yeah, he, he had a full beard. Well, you know, if I if I gave him hope and inspiration, awesome. 
You go, little guy. Uh, well, you handed him a. We were at the bar at a Chili's, and you handed him a kids menu and some crayons, mm-hmm. and said, "Good luck, kiddo." Hey, I drink a little. Sometimes you drink a lot. <laughs> My favorite headline. I didn't watch any of the Olympics, but I was looking at Rolling Stone magazine uh, two days ago, and it was that a story. To Tut, perhaps you can elaborate. I guess this. I can't imagine this not being the biggest story of the Olympics. Finnish skier, not finished like he finished the race, finished like from Finland, suffers frozen penis during cross-country event at the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, I heard about this on the radio. They discussed it. He had a frostbite uh, of, the, of the cock. Yeah. Apparently, this poor bastard almost froze his dick off. Do you see any coverage of that, Tut? No, no, I did not. Did no, he, he literally got Hannah stormed into a one-on-one with this guy's penis? <laughs> So what did the like the like the paramedics? This man has a coxical. We need to get him to a hospital stat. Mike Tarico's well in another story today in a bizarre one. <laughs> That's the smallest little stretcher I've ever seen. Uh, so a Finnish skier competing in a cross country event uh, in Beijing, he finished in get this he finished in the top half in twenty eighth place. After suffering perhaps the strangest malady of the year's winter games, a frozen penis, Reuters reported his name's Remy Lindholm, a Metallica-loving skier on Team Finland, began suffering frostbite on his third pole. Guys from Finland have three dicks? Oh, I, the third pole of the race. Third pole. Oh, okay. <laughs> during, during the uh, 50... kilometer uh, race and the event itself was conducted under such brutal frigid conditions the race was delayed an hour and then they shortened it from 50 to 30 kilometers to protect the uh, competitors because they were really thin stuff Uh, you can guess which I don't have a Finnish accent you can guess which body part was a little bit frozen when I finished Lindholm told the media it was one of the worst competitions I've ever been in. Yeah, no shit. That was one of the worst accents I've ever heard in my life. Let me hear can your you, fin- Let me hear can, your can, fin- can you finish your finish? <laughs> Let's hear it, doctor. Uh, I don't know what they sound like. You should have just spoken in your normal voice rather than attempting whatever <laughs> that was. No. Uh, Reuters noted, Reuters news source, this isn't the first time Lindholm's penis has frozen mid-race. As a similar incident happened during a cross-country skiing event in Finland in 2021. Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm no Bob Costas, but how about this little insight? Stop skiing. Maybe some sort of warming apparatus. Maybe you just stop skiing. Yeah, so I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, the first suit. time, I'm, I, oh, it's okay, man. You know, shit happens. The it second time, I'm like, no, like a, no, there won't be a second time because I'll be like, no, the last time I did that, my dick froze. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Oh, shit, my dick's freezing again. Oh, you mean it was real cold? No, I mean, my dick literally froze. And even with the ne- necessity of the thin clothing, can't you make some sort of apparatus that's yeah. like a, a heating pad, like those things that Shaq puts on all over his body? Yeah, the, the icy hot. Use a icy hot for your balls. <laughs> Don't put ice on your balls. I see that was decent. I basically just did uh, my cousin BC Ernstville with a mouthful of meatballs. 
And there's you got shot. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend I'm going to recommend this guy stop skiing. Uh, my God. And do you think if his dick actually fell off while he was skiing, the guy like in the race behind him would lean over and like pick it up? Mm-mm, not touching that. Oh, you if you were skiing behind him, you wouldn't grab it. Man, well, probably, thing probably, is, I probably to, would. I mean, it's we'll have just to put it on ice to save it because it'll already be frozen. I think you I would could, be so horrified. I'm like, man, if I can save this guy's penis, I gotta, I gotta. You gotta, do it. you gotta step up and do it, man. Especially for a Finnish guy. Finland, they're nice people. We got no beef with them. If you're, if you're involved in an Olympic race. I mean, how are you going to know that that's, you see something fall off the guy. You don't really know what it is. You're, you're just trying to ski, right? Yeah, but if I'm like, oh, you know, you know. If there's, a penis, like if there's a penis laying on the ground on the track, you're, you're going to see that. Yeah, yaks, that's what I was thinking. Like a shish kebab, stab it with my ski pole. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I cross the finish line, I'd take it off and I'd fling it to Bob Costas. Smack him in the face with it. I don't think Bob Costas does the Olympics anymore. I'd hope not. Was he like 400 years old? <laughs> he was around for the first Olympics. <laughs> uh, sorry. And as Xerxes crosses the finish line here in Peloponnesia, <laughs> the gold medal will go to the Macedonians <laughs> once again. No, I think he actually like did like some – uh, gun commentary a few Olympics no, on, ago and got canceled. A, it was a football game. He he mentioned something about gun control and everybody, oh, yeah. everybody got turned, canceled. Everybody turned on him. Yeah. Um, he took it like a man though. I saw. I remember that he stood up from his desk there on Sunday Night Football, ripped off his penis, slammed it on the desk, and walked out. Yeah. I, what I especially loved is after he put his penis on the de- desk was when he was like, but I'm keeping my balls because I've got them. Yeah. And then just walked out. It was pretty cool. And then they cut to Collinsworth. My God, Al. <laughs> I've seen a lot of balls in my years, but my God. My God, Bob's got some balls. And did you see his quadriceps for a man his age? My God, Al. <laughs> I saw him walking around the track earlier. They were glistening. His hamstrings were bulging. Oh, my dear God, Al. Oh, damn. I've already okay. got giggles. Oh, shit. Well, this is our big uh, St. Patty's Day drinking bonanza extravaganza something something. So uh, the rules don't change. We're still going to smoke a premium cigar paired with some really good beers, hopefully, and a somewhat festive St. Patty's Day movie. Uh, I'm going to go ahead right now and introduce the film. Uh, or I'm sorry. <laughs> How long have I been doing this? Seven years? Seven years? I'm going to introduce the cigar since Tud is salivating all over it. To, we've, got, we've got to wait three hours to smoke this? No. Uh, Me too, because you're going to be done in like five minutes. Uh, yeah, it's a Robusto. I, I think we're uh, – try to go slow, Tud, please. Yeah, uh, it's what, a 58? 58? It could be a 60? Yeah, I think uh, that's a 60. It's a 5x54. Oh, shit. <laughs> <Don't You're laughs> way off. How, again, how many years have we been doing this, Jack? <laughs> My God, this is like a 72 ring gauge, Al. <laughs> Al, I've spent a lot of time in a lot of locker rooms. I know a big ring gauge when I see it. This has got to be at least a 78, an 80 ring gauge. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, well, let me introduce the cigar, if I may. 
and I'm going to pronounce everything about the cigar wrong. I listened to YouTube videos trying to get the pronunciation right. I, I'm going to do my best here. Tonight's cigar is the Genève Cat Hair. Sort of K, it's a K Air, I think. It's K Hair. K Air. Genève K Hair. Uh, it's pronounced, it looks like it's spelled Genève Keat Hair, but it's Irish. Uh, so we're going to go with Genève Keat Hair. That's good enough for me. Uh, it is by Cavalier Cigars. It is a 5x54 Robusto. Candela wrapper of unknown origin. Habano binder of unknown origin. But the fillers, we got some actual information. Honduras, Nicaragua, and this is a rare one, Paraguay. 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 I'm going to say price point to last. The cat hair is a Candela Robusto uh, blended by Sebastian Decope. Decope? Again, I'm sorry. I apologize. Specifically, I know I'm going to say this right, for Smoker's Abbey in Austin, Texas. That is correct. Tut, that is your home lounge. That is where you go to smoke. That is where you go to drink. That is where you go to buy your smokes. That is uh, pr- that is pretty much accurate. Yeah. This is an exclusive made by Cavalier uh, Cigars just for Smokers Abbey. Uh, it has – I've not smoked a Cavalier before, but I've certainly seen them around. Uh, it does have their signature 24-karat gold diamond uh, on the wrapper right underneath the primary band. Cater or uh, – Cat hair is Gaelic for four. Four. And pays homage to, uh, is it Ian or Ian? Ian. Ian and Rebecca's Irish heritage. They are the proprietors of Smoker's Abbey. They are very sweet people. Uh, They obviously put up with Tut, so that shows you something about how uh, patient and kind they can be. And, uh, and, And they've been really helpful to us getting our hands on some smokes for the show, over the years, um, so uh, we like them, and I, I've been there several times too. It's a, it's a great, it's a great lounge, very inviting, and they have a really cool humidor that is the kind of the antithesis. It's the opposite of your typical uh, small town humidor, or even like your liquor store humidor, where you see the big guys, and you're not going to see a lot of the big guys. At you're not going to see any of them. You're not going to see yeah, any. It's all it's all boutique. Uh, it's all craft. General or anything like that. It's, it's all, all boutique. boutique. It's all craft. And uh, so uh, I, it's a really cool spot. And I'm glad that Cavalier decided to grace them with an exclusive smoke. You know, a lot of people say cigar media shouldn't feature um, unreleased cigars or shop exclusives and. I've, I, I think one of the great things about what we do is there are no rules. We can do whatever the fuck we want. But, I mean, what what exactly is a shop exclusive nowadays? Because you can go to smokersabbytx.com, uh, which is their website, and you can you can buy this, and they'll ship it to you. Uh, and if we end up loving it, that's a beautiful, harmonious world where you can listen to us, you know, uh, 20 states away, and next day it can be shipped <clears throat> on its way to your doorstep. Uh, so I, I don't think there should be any rules or if you, if we can smoke it, chances are you can smoke it. Yeah. Or you can smoke it very quickly. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to quit doing the way we do things anytime soon. Uh, that's all I really know about this one. Boy, 
the the smell on the just off the rafter has this really musty smell. It kind of reminds me of like an old an old book that hasn't been pulled off the library shelf in a long time. It's just got that old kind of musty paper in a good way. I love that smell. And then the cold draw is, man, for me, it's super vegetal. It's grassy, um, but it's, it's got it's like, very sweet. Yeah, I was getting, I'm getting that sweetness almost to the point of, and, and I know that this isn't in the cigar, but I'm trying to figure it out. I'm almost getting a dry, uh, uh, a chocolate on the smell of it. And I know that's not the, pro, the profile of the deal. I don't know where it's coming from. It's just me. I've smoked this. I've smoked plenty of these before, and I know it's not part of the cigar. But it's really weird that my that's what I'm smelling right now. Well, I'm sorry, Todd. Wasn't I clear? Uh, this, the smell you're getting is old library books that haven't been pulled from the shelf in at least five to seven years. At no point did I say anything about chocolate. Jesus. Somebody's very combative this evening. <laughs> yeah, he is. I'm sorry. Are we not celebrating... St. Patty's Day. I think he's right. Not I see anymore. Here on mine. I, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I, I don't get any kind of chocolate influence. But uh, oh man, I'm very okay. Well, uh, as Tut lights up, and I will hear in just a moment. We're now going to introduce our beers. Used to be in the old days, we'd all drink the same thing here in the corner. Of no hope. That was awesome. Can't really do that. Well, we could, but it's a pain in the ass, and we just kind of got used to doing the Zoom thing. It's a lot more convenient for everybody. And one of the benefits of doing it is we all get to go out shopping for booze on our own, try to come up with something to pair with the movie and the cigar, our own special ways. And then we can compare notes, see which ones work, which ones don't. So it actually gives you a better array of uh, drink options to potentially pair with your cigar than when we did just one. Uh, Yak Boy, as the proprietor and handsomest goddamn bartender in central texas he is going to as always as our resident beer expert introduce our drinks and you know what i never do this but i'm going to ask yak boy to start with me because in seven years of doing this shit i think i might have got the best pairing i've ever ever done ever on the show Okay. All right. I should mention ahead of time, folks, we are doing a movie tonight called The Gardener. Uh, obviously, it's St. Patty's Day, so everything is about being green. We are doing a movie called The Gardener, an action movie, if you will. Yak Boy, tell everybody what I'm drinking. A warm cup of piss. You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, don't spill it. Spruce Willis. <laughs> Spruce Willis. Well, I, well, let me let me let me get the whole thing in there. Bruce Willis, yippee kaye, motherfucker, double IPA. How fucking good is that? Kudos to the name. Kudos to du- the name. Duval Brewing out of Baltimore has made a wonderful, as they say, it's a piney, resiny bursts notes of obviously spruce with some. Some pops of wintergreen, mango, and grapefruit. The last thing this beer wants to be is a hero, but it doesn't have a choice. <laughs> Dude, this this beer is a goddamn hero. I, I got everything except the grapefruit. Uh, there is a definite mango on there. Even, dare I say, a little bit of cantaloupe on the fruit side of it. But, yeah, there's a definite 
Tut, you would like this coming from behind the pine curtain. There is a definite uh, pine and spruce, which is nothing new in the hop world. Um, but yeah, it is a very piney forward uh, IPA. But that cantaloupe and mango on the other side of it really balance that kind of man. That pine, that pine is a real distinct. You don't want too much of that, or you don't want it to be unbalanced. I want it to be like I just licked a pine cone. Yeah, like I ju- I'm drinking a Christmas tree. Great. <laughs> Uh, no, it, man, no it's, I actually want my IPAs like that. I want to be able to smell like a pine salt bottle. It, it's a very um, beautiful one. I can tell you it's got like almost a papaya juice kind of look to it. It's good. It had a really nice head. Shut up, doctor. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm a fan of the Spruce Willis. Um, and for a double IPA, it's under 9%, right? Yes. Uh, 8.2%, uh, 50 IBUs. That's what they're wow. Maybe the, maybe we found the one brewery that actually tells it how it is with the IB. Where's it? Baltimore of all places. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I put it, it's not overly hoppy at all. I put it mid high fifties, maybe 60, but, uh, man, just a really nice citrus balance with the, with those piney hops like it i i can't say i haven't lit up yet i can't say how it'll pair with with just about the best name for an ipa ever and for doing a movie called the gardener to pair it with the (laughs) spruce willis i'm sorry all you other pairing uh mofos out there (laughs) see yourself out it's over (laughs) it's oh the 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 greatest pairing in the history of cigars has, has, has been done but i guess you guys are here we should probably talk about what you guys are drinking just yeah, boy, what's what's the doctor drinking? The good doctor is having the smash and grab IPA from Legal Draft Brewing Company located in wonderful Arlington, Texas. I believe I've had that and I believe I liked it. It is. Uh, the smash, uh, of course, is referring to a uh, smash IPA, a single malt and single hop. Uh, they're using uh, citra hops and two row malts. Uh, it is 6.2% uh, and 70 IBUs. And thank God it's made by Legal Draft, a group of lawyers, because after he gets done drinking it, he'll need one. Do they, put their, do they put their number on the can? Am I, am I in some kind of trouble here? You will be. Do I, do I need a lawyer? Just call the Legal Draft Brewing Company. They'll take care of you. Should I let the fact that lawyers are involved color my feelings about this beer? No, give it to a straight doc. What's your diagnosis? It's great. It's great. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. Okay. I'd be a little scared to try something from the Dewey Screw and Hal Brewery. Yeah, Dewey <laughs> Cheetos and Hal. I like doc- Dewey. I like Dewey Screw and Hal better. <laughs> Doctor uh, represented me in a couple of cases, and I ended up tits up. Let me tell you. <laughs> All potential slanderous lawsuits aside, are you enjoying the beer? Wait until he finishes chugging it. <laughs> well, yeah, let's just put it that way, Yax. If I continue to drink them, I think things will straighten out. There, there's a, there's a bit of that. Uh, it's very subtle, but sometimes there's a bit of that aftertaste of 
palm olive dishwater. And I don't know if that's, again, just because I didn't dry the glass out good enough last time I used it. That's never something you want in your beer, man. You've been, you've been getting that a lot, though, Doctor. You might want to check your, your washing machine. I hand wash, and I do a thorough job. Uh, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. You know what? In all seriousness, uh, we, we've we've experienced that that kind of lemon uh, lemon liquid dish soap thing in, in, in a lot, in quite a few beers over the years, and it is it is not something I, uh, I I have had a lot of the legal draft beers. I'm not sure if I had the smash and grab, but it is a thing that you get in some beers, and some I, I think it, it can only be some people like it. It's a faint aftertaste on this one so uh i think the only other one did they make the please and thank you i think that was the only other one no, I, had. I think all theirs are they made like the habeas corpus pilsner yeah, uh, yeah the, the haziest corpus haziest corpus it's all clever yeah. legal stuff um they asked me if i wanted to collaborate with them on a hung jury stout and do some kind of artwork of me uh on, on the can and i i told him i do it i do it with the tncc or i don't do it at all either you put all of us in our crotches on that can or forget about it and they they i never heard from them again uh, here we that's go inside. with the four angry men brew that's in that's inside baseball though our, our listeners don't care about that extra turn <laughs> doctor how is it on the front end before that lemon when it, on the first sip is it nice and hoppy with 70 percent ibus it, you know, again, as usual, 70 might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, yeah, it's it's just got that faint aftertaste of uh, of dishwater that's uh, that's the only negative thing about it on the front end. It's it's decent. Um, we'll see. Um, at 6.2, I think if I drink a couple more, I probably won't give a crap. Um, but uh, um, I mentioned earlier to Cade that uh, I was in the store. And there is a St. Arnold's fancy lawnmower mm-hmm. beer. And I had the sixer in my hands. And when I saw that the alcohol content was only 4.9 and the way today had been going, that just wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> so as much as the fancy lawnmower, I think would have been the ultimate pairing for a film called the gardener. I put it back smash and grab does come in a kind of a, a green grass colored can uh hey, buddy. that's what our that's what our antagonists are doing tonight they're smashing and grabbing and but, they uh, are exactly. it's smash and grab is the term for uh, breaking and entering and that's certainly yeah. the, a theme of the of the plot so uh uh i believe that's the official slogan of the city of san francisco these days um uh, a lot of smashing and grabbing going on uh so i Doctor, well done, Tut. I see you've already got a nice ash going on your thing. Uh, before it gets too far into this, I first thing I noticed when I lit up the aroma off the cigar, very unique. Like it, it almost smells like you know after you have some firecrackers explode, like black cats or like that that smell in the air of yeah. fresh firecracker. It kind of had that smell, which is very peculiar. But but I liked it. I mean, it brought back good good thoughts. And then, um, man, the the draw is so far very uncandela like. Yeah. Uh, there's a nice little white pepper. Nothing, you know, mild to medium pepper on the on the retro hail. And then 
Yeah, I'll put it very mild, very mild. Mm -hmm. And then almost a like a it's just so weird to describe it from a, a candela standpoint, but it's almost like a very light, faint coffee on, on the draw. Are you getting anything coffee on that? Uh, man, I've been actually kind of sorry. I've been trying to focus on what kind of uh, wood I'm getting on the retro hill. There's a faint wood. It's not like a cedar. It's not that normal. It's a driftwood that you. It's yeah. a driftwood that you find down by the shore. <laughs> okay, Jay Peterman. Uh, <laughs> but there, there is like a, there's like a, an East Texas pine that's kind of wafting up there in the, in the, uh, in the back end of that retro hill. You might be getting that pine from my beer through the Zoom. <laughs> it's coming all the way through here. Hey, don't mess with Spruce Willis. <laughs> Uh, I was I was also gonna almost pick the last Hop Scout uh, IPA, but uh, I decided to go with Spruce Willis instead. That's the one thing I do like about this uh, this cigar is that it doesn't smoke like a a Candela cigar. It doesn't taste like a Candela cigar. You're not gonna be wafted away through these wheat fields or another BS. I mean, it's got a it's got a little bit of a tooth to it, but it it's it's still very mild. Uh, there's nothing strong about this cigar. Uh, it's got some nice flavor kind of trying to creep in. Uh, it's a, it's very light on that first third, to be honest. Uh, but then it's, it's very, very light. And you're right. There is kind of a woodsy, very, uh, very mild woodsy thing. And then uh, mixed in with that faint coffee note I'm getting and the white pepper on the nose. There's also a kind of a salty element in this first third um, that's really kind of cool and going well with some things um okay we just threw a lot out there for the first uh little bit of cigar uh we'll think we'll while we uh dwell on that and think on that yak boy what are you drinking i much like the good tut or there's only one beer for saint patty's day uh you and tut are it's both on the Guinness train, eh? Mm, that's right. You got to. Now, Yax, you are uh, reporting at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown Astoria, Temple, Texas. Uh, are you are you drinking drafts or are you uh, you in? Bottle? No, unfortunately, I, I went with the bottle. Okay. Tony, are you bottle also? Mm-hmm. Okay. None of the uh, none of the widget cans, huh? I like those widget cans. Um, I there's nothing wrong with them, but I don't like them as much as the bottle. I've always appreciated the bottle for some reason, and that that's why I'm sticking to it. My mom even likes the bottle. Are you guys both doing just old school, not any of the variations of Guinness, just straight Guinness? I am, straight yeah, Guinness. just the extra stout. All right, well, I guess for the 50th time in show history, X, you want to tell us something about Guinness? Guinness Stout. Originally brewed in St. James Gate, located in Dublin, Leinster. Uh, Best-selling stout in the world since St. James Gate. We started all the way back. Back 1759 by Arthur Guinness. Man, the myth, the legend. My God. Originally signed the lease for the brewery. 
for 10,000 years. No joke. Wow. <laughs> he signed a 10,000-year lease? That's some good negotiating skills right there. You know something about Guinness that we don't? It will make you immortal. Is I, I'm going to sound stupid. Is he still alive? No. Okay. okay. He stopped drinking Guinness. He stopped drinking Guinness. Um, but and they're still at that same location. The original brewery is still there. Yes. Wow. Uh, he he had long ago since purchased it, so he owned it all. And have you been, been going have strong you, ever since? Have you been there, Yax? I have not, sadly. Really? On the bucket list. Okay. Hey, guys, trip. I'm all about it. I'm down. Maybe we could all go, have some fun, some good times. We haven't been able to coordinate a trip down to Austin. How are we going to get to Ireland? <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking the doctor through Ireland where he's all, Exeter, Flexeter. Uh, that might be bad news. fee fi fo fum Because <laughs> they like to fight. This brewery is quite dumb. And I'm like, stop it. Stop it, doctor. Yeah, we get our asses kicked within like an hour of landing. <laughs> Uh okay well I love a good I love a good Guinness too uh so no no one is gonna fault you guys ever for doing uh Guinness on our big St Patty's Day extravaganza celebration um meanwhile Doctor and I some of us we we just want to bring a little something extra to the show go on go on Bruce Willis baby <laughs> oh by the way it's going really well with the cigar. Yak boy, yeah. uh, have you? When you were just when you were describing it, I was like, "Yeah, that that's going to be a good pairing." Have you lit up yet, Yaks? I just did. Did you, are you getting any? Are you getting any of the mild the mild white pepper on the nose? Are you getting the 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 woodsy component? Are you getting the saltiness that I'm getting? Anything? The white pepper definitely that woodsiness. I'm not getting any saltiness now, obviously, because of the Guinness. I'm getting a little bit of that chocolate. I can tell that's definitely coming from my beer. So, but like I said, that initial, when I did light up, there was still that, like when I said on that cold draw, I had gotten just some kind of sweetness and I got that initially when I lit up. So I don't know what it was. I can only just say it was like, it wasn't like sugar or anything like that. It was just a sweetness there. I, I can't put a name to it. Did you smell fresh fireworks when you lit up? No. No. Okay. All right. Uh, so we have four different, three different beers. Uh, one so far interesting cigar, which we've just kind of dug into. Speaking of damn good cigars, Tut, you know who yes. makes, you know who makes them? I bet you're going to tell me our friends at Drew Estate because they make good cigars. Yes, they do, and. Drew Estate has a new stick out right now that y'all will definitely want to get your hands on. Introduced during Freestyle Live Special Edition, 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate is a complex and medium-bodied cigar with super oaky and cedary notes, accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and bright a bright hint of citrus. Ooh. 20 Acre Farm is built using a velvety Ecuadorian Connecticut shade-grown wrapper, a sun-grown Habana binder, Habano binder, and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa, blended with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. 
You are saying is, everything right. Which the sun-grown leaf is humbly and lovingly grown one harvest at a time by Jeff Borshowitz on a pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. Doctor, we've been there. We have. We've been to that farm. Uh, this uh, is the first I'm mentioning uh, the 20-acre farm here on the show. And to celebrate this change in on-air advertising, we're <laughs> talk, talking up the Freestyle Live events for quite some time. I am prepared to do something that we haven't done on the show in quite some time. Bear with me, boys. What you talking about? We're going to do a little giveaway here Tuesday. What? Yeah. I don't do a lot of them because I hate going to the post office. I pretty much hate. <laughs> the The pandemic really spoiled me. I, I hate going anywhere where I got to deal with people. Oh, look. Yak Boy's leprechaun hat has Oh, we extended. already got a level? He heard about the giveaway and his hat's going up a notch. I like it. So what I've got here, boys, as you can see, is a box. Oh, that's nice. That it's is a nice, a nice box. box. Oh, people could do a lot with that box. Is it an empty box? No, it is not, Tud. I'm glad you asked. I'm actually going to open the box now. It's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Anything. Okay. Here's what you have to do, folks. You have to go and check us out on Facebook and Instagram because I'm going to give you the rules for the contest. It's going to be easy. Really, all you got to do is check out this episode, and I'm going to ask you a question on Facebook or Instagram. Whoever answers correctly is going to be putting into a, a pod of names, and then we're going to pull somebody to win this. What is it? What is it? Check out this giant travel Another box. 20-acre farm cigar case. Magnetic Whoa. closure. Look <laughs> at that. I don't know if you can see that. The, the Look tobacco, at that. Oh, man, the engraving of the leaf. The tobacco somewhere? leaf engraving. So then Drew State logo on the back. Oh. Then you unzip, you unzip this bad boy. What the room, hell? For a long cutter, a long lighter. You got all magnetically sealed. Maybe too Oh, light. man, that's like drunk guy's fantasy because you don't have to do anything with buttons or anything like that. Yeah. And check this out. You can hold five 20-acre farm or other cigars of your choosing. This clamps down magnetically. It is a beautiful. I haven't seen anything quite like this from Drew Estate as far as. This is classy, man. White leather. Yeah. This is uh, a really nice piece. It's got a. Uh, Florida sun grown on the stitched in the handle. And uh, we're going to give this away to somebody. So all you have to do, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm going to be throwing a question out here. Once this episode drops, it's going to be a question having to do with something that was said at some point in this episode. And it could be yours. I'll mail it to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. I said it could hold five. 20 acre farm cigars. I'm not sending you any cigars because that gets iffy. My luck, the one time we do a contest, some 12 year old kid's going <laughs> to. I got it. this from the Tuesday night cigar I'm club. I'm just fucking mom. TNCC. <laughs> yeah, Kate, that, that doesn't work. Kate, I can understand why you, why you sent the kids cigars. What was up with the penthouses? <laughs> just, just trying, you know, I don't give away shit all. I was trying to jazz it up a little bit. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, we're not sending cigars, but we are sending a really cool leather uh, 20 acre farm cigar case to one lucky uh, listener or viewer. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah even, it if is. Don't smoke, even if you don't smoke cigars, man, this chick could use that for a purse. And just for listening to a podcast, man, you lucky dogs. Hey, we didn't have shit like that when we were banging. Actually, yeah, I've won a lot of shit from other, from other, from other things. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so uh, that'll be really cool. We're going to give that away. Uh, big thanks to, to Drew Estate for making that possible. And before we move on, I'd like to take a moment to talk about something else very cool, like the 20-acre farm travel case, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. Doctor, you said you were doing some experiments earlier tonight. I, I enjoy the laboratory environment as often as I can, uh, whether I'm doing something that's uh, ethically questionable or not. Uh, but you do everything that's ethically questionable at cigarworld.com, am I correct? In their laboratory. The testing lab. You love it over there. You say it's very hospitable, very, very nice. Yes. Everyone, everyone's that's, a that's, team that's, player at the Cigar World testing lab. All right, so we'll get your ass over there. Cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. Come to Cigar World, come to Cigar World to do your unethical testing. And I can say with 100% confidence, there is no unethical testing on animals done at cigarworld.com forward slash testing. (laughs) And I, I was kidding. All of my testing is very ethical. Well, yeah, nowadays. Morally questionable sometimes, but it's always ethical. Yeah, no, the world's become a much more open-minded place, Doc. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure what's against the law anymore. Uh, uh, Pepper's starting to kick up once you get into that midway range. Geez, you were blazing through this thing. Uh, so oh, getting, sorry. An increase in, in in the strength of the peppers picking up in the mid, middle yeah. port- in, the, in the retro hill. It's getting a little bit once you once you start getting into that preach about a uh, about an inch under that gold filament. Man, I'm still getting that really faint light, very light, uh, almost like a cappuccino uh, coffee flavor with that with that pepper. There is a there is a light coffee taste there, especially it's on the draw. There, uh, there, I, I can't. Whenever I get super super light woodsy notes, I'm, my mind automatically goes cedar, but it's not yeah, quite. It's not. It's not that. It's not that tangy but cedar with, that. But the, the the light coffee and that saltiness for me is kind of – I'm not too worried about that woodsy thing because those are really interesting. Yeah. There. Um, and then that pepper is nice too. Um, okay. Well, we'll we'll give that. I won't give are, you ready to talk, are you ready to talk price point? Uh, tell you, you're going to get from tonight's price point. You actually bought these for us from Smokers Abbey. Uh, so, no, you don't get a saying tonight. Uh, I never – abuse that privilege of knowing how much our oh, cigar no, costs. No, so. Never, never. Thank you, doctor. I'm glad somebody around here gives me some respect. Uh, all right. Well, we introduced cigar. We introduced three different beers. We talked about cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab and the 20 acre farm from Drew Estate. I think it's time to talk about the third component of what we do around here. Now it's the movie. It's called the movie. It's called the movie. 
you filthy animals. Tonight's movie is one that we've been talking about and wanted to see for, I feel like, two years. Yeah, it's been a while. Easily. It's been a while. Yeah. I think they started shooting it before uh, the pandemic. And it's just one that was always, we're dying to see. And it finally is out. And I, I was almost hesitant to do it because we just did a bronzy, a Robert Bronzy film like in three months ago. Yeah, the prison one. The Yes, Escape from uh, Death Block 13. Uh, but it's St. Patty's Day. And nobody knows greenery like The Gardener. So tonight we'll be discussing 2021's The Gardener, uh, starring one Robert Bronzy. This will be our third Bronzy film, uh, starting with Death Kiss, uh, which I think we did back on episode 91. And then, as we mentioned, Escape from Death Block 13, which was a few months ago on episode 149. Just to catch you folks up to speed, if you're not a regular listener to this show, um, a few years ago, someone discovered a Hungarian horse trainer. I don't know how they found him, but they're driving through Hungary, and there's a guy out in the field training horses who happens to look just like mid-50s Charles Bronson. And it's not like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Charles Bronson. It's like, holy shit, there's Charles Bronson. Uh, he is he is identical in every way, shape, or form. Could you, could you imagine driving through the countryside on vacation? And you're like, oh, the beautiful Hungarian lands. Uh, holy shit, Charles Bronson. <laughs> well, it's like you always think of like, you know, people say Tupac faked his death. Jim Morrison is still out there somewhere. It never occurred to me that Charles Bronson would fake his death and then lose like 20 years and regress to his mid-50s form. But apparently that's... Kind of what happened. Um, everything except his voice screams golden age Charles Bronson. And it's the most unique thing. And his first film, Death Kiss, they dubbed, because he has such a thick Hungarian accent, they dubbed it with a real Bronson-esque voice. And we just flipped. We thought it was the greatest thing ever. Like All of a sudden, we have movies with Charles Bronson again, one of our favorite guys. And it, it was just so beautiful. And then with uh, Escape from Death Block 13, they decided, ah. they decided to start letting Bronzy use his real voice. And it didn't help that he was surrounded by terrible actors and a terrible story. And it, it, that movie, Death Kiss, was up here. For me, Escape from Subblock, Death Block 13 was a real downslide. So I'm curious to see what you I voice. thought it was fun, but yeah, it definitely was degrees down. I'm really curious to see. This is our third trip around the around the uh, table here with Bronzy. I'm, Come I'm very on, Bronzy, don't let me down. I'm very curious to get you guys' thoughts on this. And hey, if it's four thumbs down, maybe we're done with Bronzy. I don't know, but uh, he certainly seems like a nice guy who takes it all in stride. Like he's he loving really, he, he's loving he, this new this new. You know, it beat I, fucking clean up horse shit in Hungary. I actually follow him on Instagram, and yeah, he's a nice guy. It's all—I mean, it's all nice, positive stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, but I'll tell you one thing: even if you're not a, that big of fans of Bronzy, but if you're a fan of Bronson, go follow Bronzy on Instagram anyway, because it's like free Charles Bronson photos in your in your Instagram feed. He looks that much like him. It's like I ran into some nice folks at this tavern who. Brought me around to be. It's like, dude, anywhere you go, people are going to buy you drinks. You look like goddamn Charles Bronson. 
Uh, once you pick up this round of shots, now you're dead. Yes, sir, Mr. Bronson. You got it, buddy. Uh, who's gonna say? Who's gonna say no to this guy? Uh, well, if he comes in and talks like Bella Lugosi, then maybe you will. <laughs> Why don't you buy a round of shots? <laughs> I would. Don't listen to Doc. Don't listen to Doc Bronzy. I will buy you shots, man. Come on. Uh, good answer, punk. Uh, but oh, he, make a good answer, punk. <laughs> I was about to say, but you're gonna have to let my friend Cade do all of your voice for the entire night. Bronzy, you whisper to me what you want to say, and I'll say it to the table. Can I get a substitution on the appetizer sampler? No way. Now you're dead. <laughs> it showed up with mushroom caps. Now Please, in Transylvania, <laughs> we don't like the mushroom caps. <laughs> All right, the gardener. <laughs> And, and by the way, Doctor, nowhere, nowhere do they like the mushroom caps. No, no. You're not the only one who can do an impersonation. <laughs> it's going to be a battle tonight. Yax, will, just listen. Yax, will you be serving uh, mushroom caps at O'Brien's Irish Pub for St. Patty's Day? Yes, I will. Ugh. Really? It is one of our number one selling appetizers. Just a plate of mushroom caps? I heard Russians like mushroom caps. Yeah. Oh, look at Tut's throwing down the Russia hate. Hey, I'm a Tut. TNCC is anti-Russia. I'll give him that. I have gone even further than you guys. I have decided to allow refugees from Ukraine, as long as they are 23-year-old female ice skaters, <laughs> live in my place. I think that's very generous of you. You are a saint. Doctor, you are just... A lot of people I... talk the talk, but you, my friend... You skate the skate. And finally, you don't have to wear those skimpy little nurse outfits you have in your closet. You don't have to wear them yourself. Someone else can. I'm still sorry about showing up at your place unannounced that day. That that was awkward for both of us. Eh, turned out all right in the end. Yeah, it sure did, didn't it? I'm sorry, Mr. Doctor. Uh, I do not wear the nurse outfit. <laughs> I showed up and I, he opened the door in that nurse outfit and went, nyet, nyet, nyet. See, that's the difference, though, Todd. On the one hand, you have, doctor, I'd like to see that medical degree because I smell fish. And on the other hand, you have, you was doctor. Okay, you may operate. Uh, Come on, Bronzy's not Yakov Smirnoff here. And, I, and I'll say this. It's the cool hip thing right now to be anti-Russia. I, I've been against those guys since Rambo 2. <laughs> I don't know. I started to come around uh, with Rocky. Uh, uh, what was it? Rocky Four. You know, if if I can change, you can change. We all can change. That was that was hopeful optimism. That, yeah. They never they never obviously they never changed. They obviously changed. they never changed. Yeah, yeah. But so, I was just so inspired by that that Russian ring announcer man. When he was getting into it, it was like, and I was just like, Oh dude, I don't know what you're saying, but that's awesome. It was American pigs. I'm glad you said that. Tut. I never really thought about it till now, man. That Sylvester Stallone's full of shit, man. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get canceled. Why would I get canceled? <laughs> 
I get canceled. You get canceled. It's okay. We all get canceled in Hungary. <laughs> Come to Transylvania. Oh, I'm still I'm still doing a campaign to get Bronzy in the next Expendables deal. But they probably heard his voice and they're like, No, we can't do that unless yeah. you're unless you're gonna let us do the do Let the me voice. do his voice. Would love it. Got one more seat on the plane. Tonight's screenplay was written by Ben Damari from a story by Jeff Miller. Miller was an executive producer on the very first Bronzy movie, Death Kiss, uh, as well as Bronzy's subsequent flicks, Once Upon a Time in Deadwood, a Western, where they also wisely used a fake Bronson voice, Escape from Deathlock 13, which we discussed a few months ago, this one, which just came out, which if this one goes well tonight, we might revisit during our march to halloween bronzy is in exorcist vengeance oh yeah i saw the i saw the advertising for it he plays a priest with a glock you can have your guardian angels this is all i need again it depends is that what he says or let us open to book of matthew read verse 27 who knows? Get where I'm going here. You think, that's you, what, think you have an idea what I feel? That's what keeps us watching these things. You never know where. You never know where. Doctor, doctor. And I'm getting another one. Or wait, <laughs> I think I'm a little thirsty yet. I'm gonna go to the fridge. Hey, you should get another beer. I'll have another can of hops. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, fuck yeah, Exorcist Vengeance. That's a thing that exists. We might watch. Um, is it out now? I don't. I yeah. mean, is it? It's yeah. already out. Okay, it's already out. I didn't. Because regardless of whether I'll, I'll be the, I'll be the tester. I'll be the tester. I'll okay. get it up and I'll check it. All right. Well, what I'm saying is nobody knows Bronzy like Jeff Miller. The guy's produced every one of his films, and now Jeff Miller's dead. Br- Bronzy did not kill Jeff Miller. The Gardener is co-directed by Scott Jeffrey. Um, perhaps you saw 2021's The Curse of Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and his co-director is Rebecca Matthews, who just produced the recently completed Curse of Humpty Dumpty Part 2, even dumpier. Does that ring any bells? Are you sure you just didn't make that up? I, I made up the even dumpier part. They they just did they just did finish uh, the Curse of Humpty Dumpty Part Two, and they actually did make a movie called The Curse of Humpty Dumpty for the fucking show. I watched the first twenty minutes of that goddamn thing. I was expecting a really cool dude like an like an egg, and I was gonna see like you know is he, how are they gonna work it in? Like he falls off the. They, are they going to have to put him back together? Is he putting himself back together? So Humpty Dumpty, the curse of Humpty Dumpty 2 is, you know, subtitled or subtitled The King's Man. Humpty, Humpty, the curse of Humpty Dumpty 2, the yoke's on you. Humpty Dumpty was one of my favorite fictional characters as a child. <laughs> all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Uh, the curse of Humpty Dumpty part three, all cracked up. Uh, you left out Humpty Dumpty 4 still scrambling <laughs> they're going to keep making these things yeah, <laughs> you can't stop them doctor it's, it, it's too big 
It's too big. It's too big. It's too big of a franchise. They won't stop making them. You got to do that with Bronzy. Have him show up in one of those Humpty Dumpty movies. Hey, pal. You're over easy. Which, again, that would be great. Okay. So I, he'd be like, I like picturing him with the bronze. So the bronze so bronzy be against Humpty Dumpty? Yes. I like my eggs beaten. Now I'm going to beat your face. Can't make an omelet without breaking, breaking a few eggs. I like where he saved the day. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, but Bronson can. <laughs> but I won't. I won't. <laughs> You pissed me off. Oh, man. You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Your Such a missed opportunity. Now you're dead. Okay. These weren't eggs. They were bait. Do you guys, before we get into the gardener, do you guys do any gardening? I do. I try to. I'm just not good at it. I beg your garden. Todd, have you bought any plants lately? No, I'm still trying to keep the ones we bought a couple of years ago alive. No, I said, have you bought any plants lately? Oh, jeez. It's really bad if you have to say it twice. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Let's just get into this. Hold on to the seat of your plants, lady. Your plants. Your pants, ladies and gentlemen. It's time. It's time to dig into the gardener. All righty. Ah. Man, this Bruce Willis is good. This sounded good. Doctor, after I take a sip, should I do the Willis orgasm from Color of Night? Oh. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> this, is what the, oh. this is what the Spruce Willis could do for you. <laughs> oh. He's putting the bodies in the IPA, so I'll find them. Quan Lee. No, I just like Spruce Willis when you want to spend an evening fending benders. <laughs> Drink this, you fucking daffodils. <laughs> it's the it's the Dos Equis guy. I don't often drink IPAs, but when I do, I drink Spruce Willis. <laughs> Drink this, you fucking daffodils. <laughs> <laughs> so we kick things off with a pre-credits nighttime home robbery where a team of three bad guys all wearing masks that are kind of a crossbreed of a hockey goalie mask and a Halloween skull mask, some black, some white, uh, kill a pregnant woman by shooting her in the forehead. And then they chase down her husband and shoot him in the face as well. Apparently he tried to be a hero and get in the way of what they were trying to steal. And they don't like it when people play hero as it complicates things. The scene was pretty brutal, uh, especially popping the wife as she begged for her baby's life. Yeah. Uh, it was effective. It, it got things off on a very dour. Uh, no, it was kind of a sad scene to start our story with. Uh, but I thought it was done very effectively. Um Unlike, I'd say all of Escape from Death Block Thirteen, it was it was it, it was shot well and I it was, it was kind of done nicely. Yeah, but, I mean if you if your if your goal is to to show that your bad guys are truly evil, then I mean I thought it was I thought it did its job. 
yeah, it, it was a little tough to watch on the on the begging mother. Um, but then we kick right on into it. Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, I I think we'd all say it's kind of a sad way to to start off uh, what you're hoping to be a rocking good bronzy action movie. Uh, hey, Axe, you're smarty pants. Um, there are people that say that plants react to emotions and that feeling. Have you ever heard that? That certain plants can react to the the humans that are around them and yep, if yep. you're if you're in a good mood they they kind of flourish and pop up if you're depressed they kind of will have you heard that i have i have indeed what's that called i don't know yeah i should have gone to todd he's in college won't make that mistake again boy that explains why i've never had a plant that lived <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's plants actually tie their stems in knots and cut off their nutrients. <laughs> Maybe I should look inwardly. Hey, if plants if, if plants are sad, do other plants photosympathize with them? It'll be a long night, huh? <sighs> then boom, dead pregnant lady, dead husband, boom. Title card we've been waiting years for the gardener. Um, we're we're now after that we cut to a vast country manor in Willoughby, England, where an American family has recently re- relocated from Phoenix, Arizona. Man, I thought this location was awesome. I love the architectural design of the old red brick estate. It had like over a dozen chimneys. Uh, it just looked really really cool on screen and. I've gotten to be where I hate drone shots in movies. They're just so easy to do and so overused. But I thought they were so good in this because they showed you, one, just the age. Because remember in uh, Death Block 13, it was a CGI prison. Yeah, yeah. So it just was It was a drone over made-up stuff. It was totally infuriating. This, you really get to go over and see just how vast and, and old this place is. But it also works another thing because it – the way it shoots out, you see how secluded this manor is. Yeah. And there's nothing but pastures and farms and no neighbors. Uh, I really like the look of this film overall, but especially this location I thought was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. I will, I will definitely agree with you on the look of the film. Uh, the, their cinematography was, it was stout. I mean, there, there wasn't anything where I was just like, eh, I mean, it was all really, really good. The production so, on it was really, really nice. Overall, and I'll get into it a little bit later, from camera angles to lighting to uh, the camera movement itself, I, I thought the cinematography in this was one of the best we've seen in a while. Yeah. And I think but, uh, the the exterior of the estate, which, as we know, is a, is a real estate uh, in England, um, fantastic. Uh the interiors look good too. I, I don't mean to get ahead. I'm just wondering how much access do you, the question is, do you know, Cade? Cause I did not. Uh, if they had, if the filmmakers had full access to the interior of the estate or were they, do you think they were only allowed to shoot exteriors or do you know? I, I don't know. I'm assuming, well, you know what happens when you assume, but it's a good question because I did notice there were some rooms that they would film in that looked updated with the walls. Uh, but there were other rooms like the dining room that they spent a lot of time in stuff that had that red brick. Um, I'm guessing they, they, they were able to shoot at least 
a portion. Maybe some access to the interior. Some access, and then maybe they did, yeah. and they did this, this. It's not a big budget film, so I don't think they had sound stages to do the other stuff. But maybe another location to do some of the the stuff, it's like crawling a state, which it, it gives you a lot of possibilities. It does, uh, but man, if they did have full access to thing, good on them because it, it's just a really cool. Uh, a really cool location visually, and it just works for the story really well. Um, and what is a massive country estate, boys, without a gardener? That's right. We now join Peter, the gardener, played by the one and only Robert Bronzy. Well, I guess that's not accurate. One and only Robert Bronzy. There was a guy named Charles Bronson who was Bronzy before Bronzy was Bronzy, but Bronzy's the like. The, the the latest bronzy uh, you know you guys know what I mean uh, as he walks around his greenhouse smelling peaches while nodding his oh, head God. this this or uh, clipping dead leaves off of random plants as he shakes his head in disapproval no no well that's uh, not what he said he never said anything that sounded like that <laughs> like always doctor when we do these movies I wanted to hear the Bronzy boys. So for our listeners, I'm not going to talk like Bronzy talks in these films. I'm going to give you the Charles Bronson voice Bronzy that we all really wish they would do that. So that I'm going to have my moment right now, because first of all, if you want to do that, that's fine. That's more entertaining. That's false advertising because that's not what happens in this movie. And that's not what this movie is about. Now, I make a full disclaimer that the movie itself, he talks in his native Hungarian accent. So he never says anything like that. So that's you're, you're, it's a false representation of anything that happens in the movie. Full disclaimer, he speaks in his Hungarian accent, which sounds nothing like Charles Bronson. But if you're listening to my podcast, I'm going to tell the story the way I want it to be told. Okay, that's fine. That's not the movie we watched. That's all I'm saying. So I look... I don't cream in my jeans at the existence of Robert Bronzy. It's cool that he's out there and he's making his movies. That's cool. There was only one. He is the original Bronzy because the other guy was Charles Bronson and he was one and only. This guy is an imitator and he's, he's, he certainly looks exactly like him. He doesn't blow my skirt up that he's out there making his movies. That's a cool thing. If he, if they don't dub in his voice, then it's totally meaningless. Then it's nothing. If we you had to- his voice and you do what you want for your entertainment purposes. He doesn't, we don't have a dub voice and that just totally whatever. I mean, it's not like, I'm, Oh, look, the guy looks like Charles Bronson when he's 55. <laughs> well, he sounds like Bela Lugosi, Who gives a fuck. We, 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 we went into this on the, on the escape from uh, death block 13 it's so much because we love Death Kiss so much because they use the Dub Bronson voice. When he was allowed to use his own voice in that, it really felt like half. It's like it's like getting Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime to be in your movie and you don't show his muscles. I it's think like, there's so much of a difference. If you if you have someone dub the voice in. There is so many, and and we'll get to this later. I'm still a little disappointed in some of the screenwriting, the one-liners. There's so much more you can do if you dub that in. I agree. Don't dub that in, and he he speaks in his native Hungarian accent. 
then it's just whatever coolness there is that this guy exists to me is gone at that point when you let him talk the way he does. If he's actually doing those things, like you've just been mulched. I mean, if he's, if he's throwing that shit out there, yeah. then, you know, uh, hey, fucking hey, <laughs> we don't get that. No. And that, and that is a huge detriment to the film. And in my opinion, just that difference of not dubbing in his voice, totally different movie. Well, I'm glad we got this out early. Uh, I, I think hopefully people would uh, know by now our third bronzy movie. If you're coming to us to tell you the story of the gardener, I'm going to do it the way I want it. I'm going to accentuate it with some, I, when I talk like bronzy, I'm going to do bronze sun um, because I have a chance here. I have a platform to do it the way I want to do it. There are, the like I said, there are no, there are no, there are no rules. I can do whatever I want. Would that the filmmakers thought the same way? Yeah, I, I mean, that's yeah. there. There's not a person here that disagrees with you, Mincy, at all. I mean, we if they would just dub that voice, they're sitting on a fucking just golden goose that will not stop shitting eggs. <laughs> but <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it stops shitting eggs the minute you don't you stop dubbing. Yeah. I'm a little I'm a little bit softer on my stance because I just for some reason I still like this guy. I don't he was just a fucking horse trainer and some dude plucked him off of his ranch and he was like, All right, I will make your movies. And I just there's is it is it, you know, ten percent of what a, a bronzy with Bronson's voice movie can be? Nah, maybe on its good no. day. No, uh, it could be ten percent, but it's just—I mean, it's not going to be that good. But it's—I still appreciate it. I still appreciate that there's this thing that's out there, and I—I I, I, for some reason I—I find—I find it appreciative. I don't know why. I just—I gravitate to this to this deal. You know what it is? I, I'm with Todd. It's kind of like those those, but it's it's completely illogical because it's kind of like those people that like. You know, like some people get swindled by like psychics or like, you know, somebody will come to them and know all this stuff about them and be like, I'm actually your grandfather reincarnated. And it's like, my grand, I miss my grandpa so much. And this guy knows so much about me. And he, I, I, I'm going to believe that he, he was my grandpa. I want to believe that's it. I want to believe. I, I thought we were done with Bronson and now I've been given this gift. <laughs> And I just want I just want to hold on to it. Don't hold on too tight. And um, that would be a gift if they dubbed in the voice. I agree. But I, so, I never said there were rules. I never said you couldn't do what you wanted or you, there were rules for you. I'm just pointing out that there is a gift if you dub in the voice. If you don't, for me, it, it's gone. There's nothing there for it. Well, I think with most, like most episodes, we're going to tell you this tale so good and so entertaining. You're never going to watch the movie anyway. So we're going to give you a better version of this story than you'll ever get by spending six bucks on it uh, to rent it. So and we're going to have we're going to have to tonight because I got some issues. Oh boy. <sighs> Said my piece. Did you guys hear that? It's all the good times getting sucked right out the window. 
Phronsie tries to enter the kitchen from smelling his peaches and clipping his dead plants to get a drink of water, and he's scolded by the no-nonsense maid Francesca, who refuses to allow him inside with his muddy gardening boots on. And it's here, sadly, uh, where he speaks that, as the doctor pointed out, it's, it sounds nothing like Charles Bronson. Uh, and we're, we're just going to keep trucking. However, uh, I get what the doctor's saying full blast. And honestly, Death Block 13 was almost the, the end of it for me with, with Bronzy, just because I, I, he's not a good actor. No. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't deliver lines well. And I, I, I can only give that so much. But I, I will say this. I had the gardener. We all had the gardener on our radars way before that movie. So this, this is kind of our, my, last, uh, my last chance with him. And I will, as we discussed. And be- the, way, the way I was approaching it is that, all right, we had one film with the Bronson voice that was awesome. And I loved it. And then we had another film without the Bronson voice. So I didn't know whether I was getting the Bronson voice or not getting the Bronson voice on this one. Cause I hadn't seen anything. So I was just like, here we go. Do we get it? What do you mean? Oh shit. You don't get a, give me a glass of water. I'll blow a hole in you the size of a chicken pot pie. Punk. That would be awesome. But he does not threaten to kill the maid with a 357. He just walks away sheepishly. Uh, but we'll try to spice it up a little bit for you folks. So then the family, the uh, family pulls up the driveway. And I said they're Americans. And I think they're supposed to be all Americans. But the mom, Lauren Henderson, has a faint Irish accent. The dad, Stephen Henderson, has kind of a mix of accents that come and go. Couldn't tell who he was. No, he was a mud. He was all sorts of stuff going on. And then both college-age kids, Justin and Hannah, speak like typical American teens. This, I think, and I've watched a lot of these lately because these filmmakers all kind of make a bunch of stuff. I think when you film these movies over in Europe now, you just kind of get what you get when it comes to casting and you don't throw a fit about it. And you're like, just do your best American accent and you're going to be married to this completely different nationality. You do your best American I find it incredibly infuriating. It's the whole EU. They're dictating movies. I know. I just think it's really cheap to make movies over there. And you can get a few Americans, but then the rest you just pluck from whatever. And it's like, all right, you kids are American, but you got an Irish mom and a, a Venezuelan dad. And just, just roll with it. I'll say this. If, if the hot daughter, Hannah, was actually not American, then kudos to her because she sounded exactly like she was an American. Well, she is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her uh, in a minute. But yeah, I, I've watched a lot of these lately, especially horror movies that are made by these people. And they just cast whoever you look like you could be married to that person visually. Who cares what you sound like and what your kids sound like? And I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's on PC of me. We should all be one. The, it's like when you're on the uh, American Airlines, the One World Alliance. We should all uh, just embrace it. But it, it's just... It, it's so muddy. I can't tell where anybody's from. So not not to belabor the point, I, I, but do you think that Robert Bronzy actually 
has stated to the people that he's working with that he doesn't want to be dubbed anymore. I bet, I bet that's, yeah. You I think that's, that's the case? Or do you think, yeah. because if the filmmakers actually thought, well, we can't do the dub because we're in Europe and therefore he needs to be from the Balkans or whatever, where there's been wars because the, that makes no sense because these people's accents are all over the place. It doesn't matter. He could have just said, yeah. I haven't seen my parents since the war. I would have just fit right in. So no, that, all, I was wondering throughout, is this, a, is this something, is this where he put his foot down or is that, this no, that, that actually could be, that could be a point because he's a, he's a migrant uh, gardener. So it could be that, Hey, we've got a migrant gardener role. Let's get, you know, the Hungarian actor. But I mean, it's kind of like the whole thing. If you're, if you're centering around bronzy, you want to get that voice in, but I, there's a part of me that thinks that he said, no, I don't want the, I don't, if you're going to use me anymore, don't, don't dub the voice. As Kate pointed out, when you have the mom who has some kind of United Kingdom accent, the dad who's all over the place, and then two kids who sound like they're from middle America, what difference does it make what he sounds like? Yeah. Um, and for me, much unlike Death Block 13, God, we spent a lot of time on this voice. I, it bothered me less in this movie because he just seemed like a, a refugee who got work on this estate as a farmer. And they, they, at least initially, he talked a lot less than he did in Death Block 13. And so it, it kind of worked. The less he speaks, the better the movie is. Yeah, but remember in, in thirteen they also casted him. They they crafted his role as an immigrant. You know, he he his well, family had to. the motto with the, can't be like, the deal. Yeah, I am a native Los Angelesan. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody's gonna buy that shit. Where do you come from, stranger? Austin, Texas. <laughs> no. Um, if he'd done it right, and he said, "I come from a place called." None of your goddamn business. See that? Then we would have bought it. Well, if they hired me to dub these movies, they'd have that. Well, it's it's more than just dub. You're gonna have to have some writers, and that's I mean, hell, I might as well break this out because you're gonna be coming up with a lot better stuff that's in this movie. There's not. They don't write it as a Bronson flick. They don't write him as a Bronson character. There's not those fun one-liners. There's no zingers. There's no. There's not even a tough guy type deal about this, especially in this one. It's. I, I just. I. Man, I was just kind of. I, I was kind of let down. I mean, I was just kind of like I was wanting. I was wanting something. Okay, well, we 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 haven't even gotten to the, the. We're still five minutes into this thing, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> not that I don't like doing the wrap-up portion of the movie at the front of the movie. But uh, let's let's just tell a little bit of the story. Yeah, first. but I mean, like even that first scene in the in the in the kitchen, he could have been like, "All right, I'll use my own hose." <laughs> Bronson never did that though. He was never Arnold with the quirky one liners. <laughs> I think you build his one liners up a little bit. He was never that. He it was might never- be. It might be. I mean, I think well, that's part. Did- I think that's part of the disappointment in this movie is that I want so much after seeing Death Kiss to be an extension of that, that I built it up in my mind. And we had talked about this movie for so long. The, the great potential of this gardener character. Yeah. I mean, and then just, it just, the bottom okay. just fell out. 
I'm not going to agree to that quite yet. Uh, the stressed out father, Stephen of unknown origin, he's always on his cell phone, always angry and always barking at whoever's on the other line. You tell those bastards they need to deliver on time or I'll shank every last one of them, which is hilarious because the guy looks like a cross between Griffin Dunn and Mark Duplass. Like he's a little wimpy guy and a little tweed blazer. And he's like talking all tough in his, his phone. They never say what he does. That was a good combination. I'm not sure everybody got that reference, but that was a good combo. Thank you, doctor. I wasn't sure. I, I guess he could be like an executive at the English Dominoes. You tell them to get those deliveries on track, or I'll shank every one of those fuckers. Do they have Papa John's in England? Oh, no, probably not. Uh, his wife Lauren tries to get some answers out of him as far as what's going on with his business. And what kind of financial trouble they're really in, considering they moved all the way out here to this goddamn castle for his job. But he's not sharing any information with her whatsoever. I know how to handle problems. You wouldn't even understand these problems. Just get out of my face. He's very, very harsh to his wife. Uh, and Unlikable he, character. And he adds this. He tells her none of this matters anyway. The kids will be moving out soon. They're 18. They're going to make their own decisions and fuck up their own lives. And his son is eavesdropping through the house. He's like, <laughs> that, that doesn't go well with the wife either. She storms off and the son, the very sensitive Justin, he, he's almost, he, he's almost on the verge of tears a lot in this movie. Uh, watching his parents' marriage crumble. Later. Hey. He always he always reminds me of the the king's son in Braveheart, uh, the little gay. gay yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Uh, later, as uh, his teenage sister Hannah lies in bed complaining to her boyfriend on the phone about her parents' constant screaming at each other, the perceptive gardener sees that Justin's also upset. He's fake smoking a cigarette out in the garden by his parents bickering. So he invites Justin to come along with him. Help me put the twinkly Christmas lights up on the fence. The dude has nothing else to do. So he tags along with this Hungarian weirdo, Mr. Miyagi style, man, that's a real project, isn't it? These two dudes running a tiny strain of lights around a little gated door. <laughs> here's how you, here's how you want to do it, Justin. It's literally just, they wrap it around. Like, uh, they make small talk. So, has your family finished its Christmas shopping? <laughs> You're right. Okay, Bronson would never say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have, uh, Peter. Uh, I think we got all our gifts. That's good. Uh, and for some reason, Justin never mentions to his gardener he looks identical to the guy from Death Wish 1 through 4. I guess you have to assume in all these movies that they live in a world where the Death Wish movies don't exist. An alternate universe. Because that would be weird if you're watching like the gardener and the kid's like, have you ever heard of Charles Bronson? Never heard of him. No. No, I have never heard of him. Certainly. I know nothing of what you speak. Hang up the Tannenbaum lights. As the maid, Francesca, also... We got, okay, we've got to mix both of these in. I like, I like the combination of both. We'll do a he said, he said. <laughs> Uh, the maid, Francesca, pulls out of the driveway. She finished her chores. She's also played by an American doing an awful Russian, I think, uh, voice. 
Because I watched some of these people's other movies, and she's totally an American chick doing it awful. But I could tell that just watching this movie that she was doing a fake accent. Uh, I totally couldn't. <laughs> she drives away, leaving the manor for the day. And as she does, we see a man parked on the side of a country road nearby, watching her drive off while wearing sunglasses, even though it's not sunny outside, and smoking a cigarette. You know what that means, doctor. He's a bad guy. Well, not only the sunglasses outside and the cigarette, but can we talk about the combination of the jeans and the blazer with the T-shirt and the gold and the, chain? And the chain. And I, I, I've said some things about this movie. I'm going to say some more, but I may have gone to a mall yesterday afternoon and purchased several blazers and several long gold pendants. And some black boots, and plan to start dressing like this person on a. Normal you get, did you get a couple of black? I support that, by the way. You get a couple of black turtlenecks. Dude, there's there's going to be. I, I thought it was just like a, a regular collared t-shirt with, the, with just that pendant. It might have been. This guy's name is Volker, and he's played by martial arts master and sometime action star Gary Daniels. Todd, did you recognize Gary Daniels? Man, I, I knew I'd seen him before, but I did not recognize him. But I knew I'd seen him before. But it might have been because they wrote him like a, a character from uh, Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2? Wait, which one? Wait, uh, never mind. I, uh, sorry, wrong scene. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Gary Daniels was one of Eric Roberts' henchmen alongside Stone Cold Steve Austin, the original Expendables. He had a badass fight down in the tunnels with Jet Li. The the guy's a real badass. Professional um, kickboxer, isn't he? Yeah, and he's actually the one when Dolph Lundgren shows up in Expendables to deal with the bat would deal with Eric Roberts, and uh, Gary Daniels gets in his yeah, face. No, that's him. Yeah, um, yeah, he he he's the real deal. He knows how to fight. And I actually thought uh, he was. I'll get to that in a minute. I I thought he really did well in this movie. Um, Volker with his black t-shirt blazer and chain walks back to his Mercedes and climbs in he tells his two underlings in the back seat Riley and Drake they were two of the mask wearing killers in the opening scene he tells them the plan for breaking into the manor tomorrow night everyone from the maid to the entire family will be gone then so the men should be able to enter the house easily and steal what he tells them to steal and get out with no complications this time. No bloodbaths. Riley tries to explain he had to make a move when he shot the pregnant woman, but Volker doesn't give a toss. I like that expression, that British... I'm going to start saying that. I don't give a toss. Toss off, fucker. Toss off. Toss off, wanker. Toss off, you wanker. You can call somebody a tosser or a toss pot, too. He's very adamant. No complications this time. No dead families. Riley, who's basically Tom Sizemore's trigger-happy Michael Chirito from Heat, I had to make a move, man. Uh, oh, it's Wangro. Or Wangro, I'm sorry. Wangro, not Chirito. Uh, well, for Chirito, though, the action was the juice. Uh, but Chirito could follow orders. Wangro could not, and that is very much Riley. Thank you, Doctor. He is very much Wangro. Uh, but even though Volker just said no dead bodies, no killing anybody, Riley can't read the room as he says he'll bring his garrote, those two sticks with the wire in it, to strangle people this time around. And both Drake and Volker are like, dude. I just, this is the one thing where I just wanted this guy to be like, hey, come here. Yeah, 
Oh, just like hit him. Like the fuck yeah. did I just say? The governor Volker, they call him the governor, doesn't want any more cockups. That's what they call it. If they screw up again, Volker tells them they're off the crew, and you know what that means. Stop your flimity flam. You're dead. You fuck up again, you're dead. You don't get to retire from Volker's crew. He retires you six feet under. That's that's not a good incentive to join. Now is a good a time as any to say what I alluded to a minute ago. I really dug the performances in this flick, especially in comparison to we laughed out loud at everybody in Escape from Death Block 13. Everybody was a character. Everybody was terrible at delivering lines. I thought Gary Daniels in this role, and I thought the dude playing his one dependable hunchman, Drake, as uh, an actor named John Calloway. I thought they were really good in this. I wouldn't. I I thought they did good. Uh, agreed. I thought they were all good. Um, it's worth noting again that uh, of his henchmen, one is clearly British and the other is clearly from America. Uh, but that you know, it annoys country. it annoys the fuck out of me how they mix and match these movies. I just like how did this twenty-something-year-old greaser dude criminal get over there? It, it would have. It would really doesn't make sense. Volker's entire crew should have been Brits. You would think rather than having a young American on their on their squad. But yeah, I, I agree. All all the acting performances were were that Gary Daniels just has a great look to him. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah he does. Uh, he I've really a, never seen this guy. In a, I've never seen him in a headline role, and he he, he chews up the scenery in this thing. Uh, we cut back. Real quick, before we come back to the manor, Tut, are you in the final third of the cigar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. I've never smoked a gold cigar before. I've never had the pleasure of smoking one of Daniel Marshall's famous 24-karat gold cigars. As I burn through the gold leaf on this, I don't know if it's happenstance that just then I started to get some Nicaraguan mineral to join that pepper on the retro. But around that same time, I did start to get a nice mineral Yeah. with the white pepper uh on the retro that salty uh light coffee with just a little woodsy back end is still very much the dominant draw profile for me matter of fact i even think that the flavor intensifies coming out of that second coming out of the half and going into that final third um man it's it's a really i don't want to judge it just as a candela because that's not you know because you know a lot of candelas aren't that pleasurable, but I like to judge it just as a cigar, but uh, man, that salty coffee draw and now the mineral on the web. It, it's a really, it's a very smooth, mild, mm-hmm. uh, mild to medium smoke. And it's going really, going really well with, with my piney IPA. I'm digging it. I'm digging it a lot. Yeah. I, I like uh, the reason why I like this cigar so much uh is because it does that Nicaraguan twist there at the end is that it brings, it doesn't stick to a traditional Candela profile. Uh, so once it starts, once it starts bringing in a little bit of that mineral in there, uh, that it, like I said, the coffee, the flavor starts intensifying a little bit in that last third. Uh, to me, that's what, that's what makes the cigar really kind of stand out. The white pepper kicks up a little bit in the retro hell. You're right. It's not strong. I mean, it's not like overpowering or it's not, you know, going to make your eyes water, but it's just tweaks it up a little bit to know for you to notice that bump in strength. And and I like that change. I do, too. Uh, I'm really liking it. It reminds me of some of my favorite uh, Candela's, the Wasabi from Espinosa, the uh, not not quite as strong, obviously, Uh, the Fomorian from Romacraft. 
uh, yeah, this is this is really nice. Does all that sound copacetic to you yet? It does. Very much so. I'm guessing you never found that sweetness that you was alluded to earlier. No, it 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 just disappeared. Okay. Uh, well, I will. Uh, I'm actually going to give this. I, I've got. I'm in the last third. I'm going to finish this beer. I do have one last, a second beer that is one of my all-time favorite pairing beers with every cigar. I've never found a cigar that didn't go great with it, so I'm going to switch to that. Next. So yeah, get ready on that one. To introduce uh, that beer shortly, but I'll I'll come back to that. Very, very short. Tut's nub in this thing. Yaks and I have a little bit more to go, so I'll, I'll give it some space. Um, doctor, has your lemony dishwashing soap gone away at all the more you've drank, or is it still there on the back end of the smash and grab? Still there, but uh, as I continue to consume it, it becomes less uh, noticeable. Or less bothersome because you've got some alcohol in your system. I think I think bothersome was actually the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> was that very Gary Danielson to me? Should I get a chain and a a blazer and a black t-shirt? I just thought that he looked so cool that I decided that's the way I want to go through life. Was was looking like that? Yeah. So I mean, if you want to join me, I, I don't think that I think the more Gary Dan I think the more Volkers there are walking around. I, I thought the dude was one of the most badass dudes I've seen on screen in quite a while until we see him in a fight scene later and he's wearing Tut's all white New Balance grilling shoes. And like, you know, they could have put some tabby boots or some just bare feet on the guy, for God's sake. Dude, the, if you're going to fight, man, wear some sensible shoes. He, he was he was at the gym. He was having a workout, committing murders, but he was having a workout. And goes I, to Academy Sports Outdoors. He's looking for some support, but nothing fancy. He wants to get in and out of there for under 50 bucks. Boom. What's wrong with that? Absolutely everything. <laughs> Why are you shitting on my shoes, man? <laughs> we cut back to the manor where the gardener is inside his greenhouse, stapling Christmas lights to metal poles, holding up his plants. Yeah, I'm calling him out on that. Clark Griswold's yeah. wow. <laughs> Justin, young Justin. Asks him why he's spending so much time and effort decorating here when no one will ever see it. In a month, all will be done, cleaned up and put away. But I won't forget this memory. Christmas, twinkly lights, little Santas. It all makes for pretty memories. When you get older, sometimes all you have is memories. So it's worth the effort. The gardener's dropping some wisdom on Justin's ass. Justin asks if Bronzy's going to spend the holiday with his... I love how all these movies, too, I totally shit his name. I, I'll never say his character's name again. It's just Bronzy. I'm not going to say Peter, because that just sounds ridiculous. Uh, he asks if Bronzy's going to spend the holiday with his family, but the gardener explains he hasn't seen his parents since the war, so he's staying put. What war? What happened? Some memories are best forgotten, Bronzy says. Okay. Or doctor, how does he say it in the film? Oh, I I I like your way better. Okay. I never, I never okay. meant I never meant to indicate that. Well, no, if, uh, Tut Tut said he wanted. That happened. It's a forty times better movie. Tut said he wanted a. Where's uh, fightings? You know, like cowboys Indians in your America, where you clearly are from. I don't know. It cracks me because I'm getting because it's like. Now you're dead because we, I'm going to strangle you with the Christmas lights. And then all of a sudden, it's like the absolute opposite 
Because that's unfortunately what he sounded like. In Russia, peach plant picks you. We then cut to the gardener stapling more Christmas lights onto the brick walls inside the house later that night. Yak boy. You're a man I've personally witnessed stapling all sorts of shit to all sorts of things. Even a badass like Bronzy couldn't possibly staple shit to metal poles or to brick walls. Am I correct? That is unless these are like some serious staples. But even then. It's just a staple gun, like you. It's I've just seen. a staple gun. There's no way. Did that bother you seeing him staple shit into brick walls? I was That's like, the come difference on. between just, you and just, me. Just, I mean, it's one of those where I like immediately see the scene and I'm like, oh come on, at least tell him like just staple on something that would like actually. Here, just do it on the brick wall. We don't care. We just need a shot. Like no. That's, Everyone's that's pretty much it. Good answer. Now I'm going to staple my fist to your face, you punk-ass bitch. Not you yet. Uh, Yak, staple things to all kinds of other things. I noticed that you purposely left that statement without any incriminating evidence. As if you'd seen Cody staple notes to bodies, like like from Die Hard. Like I've got a machine, like the axe is actually stapled up to someone's chest. It's none of your business what I've seen Yak Boy staple shit to. They could have been flyers for a yard sale. They weren't. Now I have a hockey mask, too. Ho, ho, ho. Sir, what are you doing? I've got a yard sale. I'm stapling things to telephone poles. Oh, okay. I go to yard sale. Buy some fruit. <laughs> In Russia, yard sale buys you. <laughs> the family sits down for dinner. And it's far from an enjoyable experience. Oh, my God. This dad is just not likable at all. Mom and dad are still bickering about everything. And things get especially heated when Stephen, the dad, tells their daughter Hannah she can skip the family outing that mom had planned for tomorrow and go spend the night with her friends in the big city instead, going to the theater and eating tapas. Her dad asks, what movie are you guys in? And she says, "Uh, it's some dumb movie about a killer clown. Did you guys get that? We featured a movie about a killer clown doll last year, and this yeah. chick was the pregnant main star of that movie. I never even made that connection. Are you no. fucking kidding me? She's the star of Clown Doll, the pregnant lady that's stalked by the clown doll. That's this chick. <sighs> and these same people produced now that, that movie. you say that, yes, it makes perfect sense, because I there's a thing uh, I was like, yeah, she looks familiar, but yeah. I had no idea that was her. And the director of tonight's film, yeah. Jeffrey. Jeffrey this Sp- happened to my brain. <laughs> no, well, dude, she looks much younger in this film, which d- it goes to reason they filmed this a couple years ago. But dude, tonight's film director Jeffrey Scott actually also directed Clown Doll, which we did on on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. So yeah, we spent a whole movie with this chick before, and y'all none of y'all none of y'all recognized. No, the minute she said that, some stupid movie about a killer clown. I'm like. That's where I know her from. She's a clown doll. I guess I was just too fixated on Bronzy. He wasn't in this scene. Still thinking about Bronzy. (laughs) But she's not going to the big city to hang out with her friends and eat tapas, is she, Doctor? I'm still trying to to, uh, cope with the fact that she was in Clown Doll. 
we didn't watch that that long ago. No, she's not going there. She is being deceitful. What what is she going to do? If she's I, telling she... lies. It's going to see my friend. Sorry. I, I... No, don't apologize. Uh, she's going to the big city to spend the night with her boyfriend, <laughs> and her dad just gives her the green light to do it. He, I mean, he obviously thinks she spend the night with her friends, but I get the feeling he doesn't give a shit either way. As he's, nah. they're eighteen, they're gonna go fuck up their lives anyway. What do I give a shit? He's a horrible dad. He's a really bad dad. Drunk dad's even better than him. Uh, this guy does keep a very nice carafe of bourbon on his little makeshift IKEA desk. In this ancient uh, castle that they're living in, though, uh, so he could be drunk, dad. I guess not. He's not drunk, dad. Drunk, dad. But the next morning, drunk dad's personality. Yeah. The next morning, the gardener is clipping some random leaves off a tree. It's just a tree. Just this leaf, this leaf, this leaf. When Justin strolls over to chat with him again, this dude, this kid has no life here in England, and his life is so boring. He has to hang out with Bronzy. He asks Bronzy if he thinks that the trees are going to survive the incoming winter storm, even though they're giant fucking trees that have obviously survived a million storms. They'll live. The roots are strong. As long as you protect them, nurture them, they will continue to grow and flourish. It just takes patience and care. Boys, is Bronzy talking about trees here? Or maybe, just maybe... Is he dropping another valuable life lesson on Justin's ass? The only thing was uh, or Damon Wayans needed to come in there screaming, message! Message! How cool would that be if if Wayans jumped out of those trees? (laughs) But this wisdom isn't free for the taking. The gardener hands his pruning shears to Justin and makes him start clipping random leaves. Not so rough. The pruning shears are an extension of you. Be gentle with them. Justin tries to get more information from Bronzy about fighting in the war, but the gardener clearly doesn't want to talk about those days. Hannah grabs a wine bottle off the kitchen counter under the disapproving scowl of the maid Francesca as the 18-year-old heads out the door wearing knee-high black boots, a miniskirt, and a tight Christmas sweater that has festive as fuck stitched across the the chest. She thanks her daddy for letting her (laughs) use the car and she ignores her mother's pleas for Hannah to stay. Her mom really wanted this family to go on this outing today, but she had to cancel the whole damn thing. She didn't have to. She chose to cancel because Hannah wants to do her own thing. When mom realizes that it's useless, she sighs and smiles at her daughter, telling Hannah, be sure you use protection. She knows. She knows she's not going to be eating tapas and going to a horror movie. She's going to see a boy. The gig is up. Even mom knows that. Even she knows that tapas aren't the only thing getting eaten that night. Oh, come on, doctor. Keep it clean. You you just said that. I didn't say a damn thing. Todd, grow up. Jeez. As Hannah pulls out the driveway in the family car, the bad guys are parked down the road, and they assume that it's the entire family leaving for their now-canceled overnight trip. Uh-oh. They thought the family was going to be gone, but it's just Hannah. Drake and Loose Cannon Riley are joined on this job by some rando guy named Ken and a tough Russian broad named Misha. And that's all that's left now is for them to wait until the maid leaves and then the house is all theirs. Wasn't Ken the guy that was injured in the uh, beginning scene? Didn't they say like Ken is 
Was he? I, 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 I didn't made some kind of comment like Ken is injured, and then I think so. He was okay this time around. Okay, or, I, I didn't get that he was the the guy that got hurt in that opening scene. I, I thought they tried to indicate that, and I was sober when I watched it, but that could either be uh, to my detriment or not. I don't know. Uh, ultimately, it it doesn't matter. You're right. Um, over in a near before I things are heating up here, and I I'm just I'm I'm actually at the very end of the cigar. I've caught up with Tut. Um, let's finish. Let, let's finish talking about this thing. Uh, I really liked with Tut that third, the increase in the white pepper uh, with the addition of the mineral in the final third. Um, that that salty light coffee profile with a little bit of woodsiness was constant throughout, but it was a very nice constant. Um, but for me, the, the shining part of the cigar was that second half uh, with the, with the addition of the mineral and, and whatnot. Construction has been great. Uh, really nice burn line, smooth draw. Um, do you guys like it? I did. Uh, it did. It's probably, ah, man, it, it definitely, it contends with my favorite Candela's. Uh, and I, I have no problems with it. A lot of times, like, I guess Candela's are kind of like my brown beers. I, I'm, I'm searching all the Candela's to find one that I really like. And I, lo- I really like this Candela, mainly because it gives you that Nicaraguan twist at the end. It doesn't smoke exactly like a Candela. So uh, to me, I guess the, the biggest thing that I like about this Candela is that it doesn't remind me of a Candela. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, okay. Well, this is only available from Smoker's Abbey in Austin, Texas, which does ship. So if you like what we're talking about and you want to try it for yourself, they have plenty in stock. You can go to the website and order some. Let's talk price point. Uh, I'm going to go to Yak Boy for price point. Mm. I'm going to go ten. Ten bucks. Ten twenty-five. All righty. Uh, I hate to do this. Tut, what would you pay for these? Well, the funny thing is, is I never look at the price when I buy cigars. I just buy them and then you know just get on with my life. Uh, so I would pay probably um ten twenty-five. I will go 1075. 10.75. Well, the actual price of these bad boys 10.49. So yeah. you guys were close. You guys were close. Yeah. Uh, I really like the cigar. I it, it was a unique um very unique profile. I, I can't say a cigar in recent memory I've had that had salty, salty, light coffee notes uh, with nice pepper and mineral. And yeah, it, was, it was very unique and it was very beer pairing friendly. Uh, did it go, go good? So. Did it go and, good? With, went good with the Guinness? Excellently. And another, uh, another unspoken pro in my list or uh, check on the pro side 
it's not like what you see in the normal cigar lounge. I mean, you're you're sitting there with a bunch of dudes in the cigar lounge, and you know, there's hardly ever nobody's no candelas are out of fashion. They're not they're not widely seen in your lounges, and this this is definitely makes you stand out a little bit. And then it also harkens back to the '80s, to where you know, if you watch some Simon and Simon, and you see the the cranky old guy across the investigator from across the way there. He's always puffing on a Candela cigar. Yeah, so it, it always kind of brings that back to me. Candelas were huge. And he's my uncle Dave smoked Grenadier uh, Candelas every day. Uh, they, they were much more popular in the eighties. Um, yeah. That, it, it was a really cool cigar. So uh, if you're in the mood for a, uh, you know what? It, in recent years, it's kind of got this resurgence as a accent leaf. Yeah. Uh, black label, black. Yeah, work, the poles does a lot with just a little, little bit of candela, you know, on the on the head or on the foot. Uh, Roma Craft does a lot with her craft series uh, with some with some candela as well. Um, it, it's one of those ones I always want to like, but I'm usually yeah. Visually, it's interesting. Smoking wise, not so much. Yeah. Uh, this this one was 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 nice. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Simon and Simon reference time. You know, uh, oh, I was I was about to drop a really impressive Simon and Simon thing, and then I realized it was a Riptide story. Never mind. <laughs> Love me some Riptide. Perry, uh, Perry King. I'll go ahead and tell my Riptide story. Perry King, uh, one of the stars of Riptide, uh, with Joe Perry, right, Doctor? Yeah. Uh, correct. Yes. Uh, he's from my hometown in Alliance, Ohio, and his parents were very good friends with my grandparents. And whenever he would come back to visit later, uh, oftentimes he would stay with my grandparents. And I have lots of family photos of Perry King hanging out uh, with my grandma and grandpa at their house. And he was kind of this local celebrity from my hometown and uh, apparently just a really fucking nice guy. Uh, everybody, everybody. So I, I was always a big Riptide fan. I like Simon Simon too. I like Rick and Cowboy Hat and and all that. All those shows were phenomenal. But Fine. Uh, okay, so uh, three thumbs up on the. I'm not going to try to say the name of the cigar again. The exclusive Candela from Smokers Abbey in Austin, Texas. Get your ass over there and buy some if you're uh, in the mood for something green. Uh, okay. Over in a nearby city, we watch as crime boss Volker does some sweet-ass martial arts moves and some breathing exercises while some menacing music plays. After a this... while... Go ahead, Ted. Am I the only one that saw De- uh, Die Hard 2? On the, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I thought. Yeah, the William. I was like, oh, we know this is the bad guy because he's doing his evil, menacing Tai Chi. Yeah, the, it's the what's the guy's name? William William uh, Sadler. Sadler. Uh, yes. After a while, one of his henchmen marches three dudes down to Volker's dojo at gunpoint. The three nun nuts work for Volker, and they're the ones who screwed up a job recently. More specifically, they're the ones who supplied the sloppy recon info that got the innocent pregnant woman and her entire family dead. So after a lengthy oral history from Volker of what it means to be a loyal samurai warrior and how they're all failures at doing that. I like how he included the daimyo. 
he is the Daniel. He's the Lord. Volker challenges them to a fight, a trial by combat in order to balance the karmic checkbook. It's their one chance at redemption. And he says, it's your choice whether they attack him one at a time or all at once. And he kind of leaves it open like, all of you guys are just one. Yeah, he tells the guy with the gun to get the hell out of there, too. I like how he leaves. I wanted to give you the option to redeem yourself. You can die by my hand or you can die by my hand. (laughs) It's a classic Volker. Obviously, they can't hear the menacing music that we hear playing whenever he talks like that. Because if you did, they'd run like hell. Just waiting for one of them to actually like, wait, oh, shit. (laughs) You guys hear this fucking menacing music? Well, they, if they did, they would look at each other and be like, all right, all three of us, let's storm this dude. But no, one dude's like, I got this. <laughs> so he goes at him, and that's a big mistake. Uh, after Volker breaks that first dude's neck, the two remaining dudes charge at him together, and they don't fare too much better. Volker is indeed a badass. Again, he'd be a lot bigger badass if he wasn't wearing tuts, all-white, New Balance, grilling shoes. I can't believe they let that and do that scene wearing those sneakers. Gotta have some comfortable shoes, man. What do you mean, let him? That was what he chose to wear. Exactly. I'm just saying. Because that's what cool people wear. I only wear these when I fight. <laughs> what if he was wearing those when Mincy saw when the doctor saw him on the side of the road, like black shirt, chain, blazer, smoking cigarette? Pan down those starch jeans, bright white academy sneakers. The, the doctor would be buying him some black academy sneakers. Uh, the black cowboy boots really helped sell that scene. I I kind of with Kate on this one. It, it it didn't bother me, but it was a little silly. Probably I'd be okay with him wearing the cowboy boots in the dojo when he's kicking these dudes' asses. Anything. But- I should have been barefoot while he was doing that. You're going to tell me. All I can see is that Volker takes killing people as seriously as he takes grilling meats. <laughs> Just seriously. Hey, if the dude, the girl's not wearing those shoes, I'm not eating. This Texas dude. All of a sudden, see? I also don't see Volker working the smoker at the annual bad guys cookout. There's a soft Volker works what he wants to work. He was very upset that they killed an innocent woman. <laughs> He was. He now doesn't I have like to kill you guys because of what you did. Hey, the guy's got codes. He does not like families dying. He does not like unnecessary bloodshed. And he likes his coleslaw a very specific way at the at the week the weekend cookouts. And I see I see Roberts from the first Expendables like really dominating that smoker. Like get out of the way. I'm handling this. Like he's really just. You don't want anybody near it. Can I put some cilantro on the corn? This is how it starts. He starts throwing out his Expendables line. You visit my house sometime during the holidays. You're like, is that? that, I put some cilantro on the corn. I don't understand. Did we come to an agreement? Back at the manor, Justin is once again helping the gardener prune an obviously dead potted plant on the front porch. Dude, these plants look like all my shit. It's dead. It's the winter. Everything is dead. And they're still one by one just trimming these dead leaves. Lauren walks out, Justin's mother, and rather than questioning why her son is trimming an obviously dead plant, she invites Bronzy to eat dinner with them. Dinner? He says it like he's never heard that word before. What? Dinner? Uh, he's a little rough around the hedges. 
<laughs> Lauren explained you were dying. <laughs> Is your guys' patience with me wilting? <laughs> Lauren explains that with Hannah gone for the night, there's plenty of pot roast to go around, but Bronzy doesn't eat meat, so he declines. I like animals, so I can't eat them. She says there's a ton of vegetables too, but he declines that offer. I like the vegetables, so I can't eat them either. No, he doesn't say that. It turns out he's a vegetarian. Uh, that would have been a cool, flirty little moment, though, with the two, like with Bronzy and Lauren, now that her marriage is on the rocks. So, what exactly do you eat, Peter, if you don't eat meat and vegetables? Pussy. How cool would that scene be? Eat veggies and greens, unless I dive between your legs for dessert, no? Marry after, something, Kringle. After waves of sensuous <laughs> pleasure, you'll be dead. Uh, Yax, you can raise your hat to that one. <laughs> oh, I, I think I will. Yeah, here you go. Doctor, I think both of our approaches would have worked nicely. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have a feel for it anymore. The bad guys watch from their van as Francesca the maid drives off the property as expected. They assume now that everyone is gone, and that's what their intel told them, but they're still going to stick to the plan and wait for nightfall before approaching the house. Well, a few hours later, after a long stretch of Steve and the dad yelling, fuck, looking at his computer screen over and over again as the bad news. I'll admit that's very realistic. Oh, yeah. No, I do that every time I review one of our episodes. Yeah, this happens to me like ah. six or seven times a day. I mean, there's usually, and usually there's the, there's the mostly empty crop of whiskey <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon. I see something random pop up about, fuck. I mean, this, this is, I, I kind of was, I kind yeah, of understood this part. No, he nailed that. Uh, the three remaining Hendersons do indeed sit down to eat some pot roast, mom, dad, and Justin. Mom has also cooked up yet another plan for the family to go on a day trip tomorrow to a nearby park, you know, because all of these plans she makes are met with such enthusiasm from the family. And while Justin smiles along sheepishly, yeah, mom, that, that could be fun. We could do that. What do you think, Stephen? He looks up from his pot roast and drops for I wasn't listening to anything you said. <laughs> There's nothing likable about this dude at all. <laughs> I just thought it was so honest. What? He's got his fork with his power. He's like, he just drops it. What? I, I wasn't listening to a goddamn word you said. <laughs> and just in case you folks at home weren't listening to what I said earlier about Drew Estate's latest creation, I'm going to go ahead and repeat it. I'm going to say it again. Introduced during Freestyle Live Special Edition, 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate is a complex and medium bodied cigar with super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. I should have said that at the beginning of that cigar tonight. It had a whisper of white pepper. That's po- that's poetry. 20 Acre Farm is built using a velvety Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, a sun-grown Habano binder, and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa, blended with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf, which is humbly and lovingly grown one harvest at a time by Jeff Borshowitz on a pristine 20 acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. 
you got to smoke one to experience it. Go out there. They're out there now. Uh, you can find them at all Drew Diplomat retailers. And if you participate in our contest, you'll have a very sweet leather carrying case to carry your 20-acre farm cigars around. Mm-hmm. So I hope that works out for you. And while we're talking about super cool stuff, I'd also like to take another moment, a hot minute, if you will, once again, to let you know about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys, testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. Well, I was hoping to get to this beer with a little bit left in our Candela tonight, but uh, I didn't get to it. So I'm pouring it now, but I do want to give it a shout out because I don't know if we've done it on the show before. Yaks might clear that up for me, but I, this beer is one of my favorite IPA. I discovered it during the pandemic. Uh, my local place started to get it. I love this IPA. If you are not sure, if, if, if you see this on the shelf and you're smoking a stogie, and you're not sure about a beer going well with your cigar, I've probably paired this thing with 50 different cigars over the last two years. Everyone is paired beautifully. Yak Boy, can you tell us a little bit about the Yellow Rose? Yellow which Rose. Also, which, which also pairs well with the Gardner movie, Yellow Rose. Maybe if there were no roses in this movie. No, well, They were all dead. They it, was winter, it was wintertime. They were all dead. Exactly. There were no roses. Yellow Rose IPA. Have I done it on the show before? I think you have. I have. Uh, I did not write down the episode. Uh, I mean, actually, wasn't, but maybe four or five episodes ago. Oh, okay. I think, I think you used it a, as a second a beer as well. Okay. okay. Uh, Lone Pint Brewing, uh, located in wonderful Magnolia, Texas. Uh, the Yellow Rose, uh, 6.8%, uh, around uh, 60 IBUs. But I think you always say that it actually fits its profile really well. Yeah, it does. But you also say that you like it from the bottle better than draft. I did mention that. I had it, and I'm sorry, Yax, I, I had it at your uh, O'Brien's Irish Pub on draft. It, I, for some reason, I, I find it much more enjoyable out of the bottle. Um, and I tried it on a draft here locally and I have the same opinion. So I know you guys keep your stuff perfect on the draft temperature wise, everything. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not a result of that. It's just for some reason, this thing bottles really, really well. Um, everybody makes mistakes. So yeah, buy it. If you see yellow rose in the bottle and you're a cigar smoker, buy it and pair it. You'll love it. Um, it's just a delicious overall profile. Great hops, great citrus, low malts, but it all just works together amazingly. Um, did I mention you guys I have a legitimate fear of roses? No. But you told us now. Yeah, it's kind of a thorny issue. Uh, I'm not really sure what it stems from, but I'm afraid I'm stuck with it. Moving on. Enough about that. So while the Henderson parents continue to verbally bash each other in front of their traumatized son, Justin, at the dinner table over the mom's stupid plans to go to that park, I love the dad. Why do we have to go somewhere? Why are you always trying to get us to go somewhere? Nobody wants to go with you anywhere. 
I'm just trying to keep this family together, Stephen. Why? Uh, Why indeed? Well, they're chowing down on that pot roast while Bronzy eats a simple garden salad. It's dry, no dressing, just some leaves and a couple baby tomatoes up in his uh, gardener quarters above the garage. Well, the crew of three bad guys and one bad girl put their masks on and approach the house. Well, three of them have masks on, as trigger-happy Riley conveniently left his at home. Although you certainly get the feeling that he left it behind on purpose, so any potential witnesses they encounter would have to be killed after seeing his face. This guy just loves killing people. And he loves saying, they saw my face, we have to kill them. Uh, Everybody sees your face. And after Ken picks the front door, they're in the house. Remember, assuming that it's empty. I thought this was really good screenwriting or editing or both. Because at this point, I looked at the, the timeline. And when the central action of these bad guys approaching finally takes place, it's almost exactly at the halfway mark of the film. By now, we know just enough about the villains, pretty much all we need to know about the Henderson family and their inner dynamics. And the only character who has any sense of mystery remaining, not really, but technically, is the gardener. And we're about to learn what's really going on behind that glorious mustache, aren't we, Agboy? Yes, yes, we are. But I thought pacing-wise, I thought the film played out at a nice pace. I thought, like, all right, here we are. Here we are at halfway point, and I know these guys, I know these guys, I know what's going, here we go. I'm going to disagree. I thought here we are at the halfway point and no fucking action. I was like, look, I get it. The family's dysfunctional. That's fine. I want action. I didn't come here for dialogue and a character study. I came here for action. Where is it halfway through this movie? All right. Now let's try to get this thing going on. Isn't that a poison song? I want action tonight. Satisfaction. Is that what uh, you were hearing? I, I kind of agree with Todd. No, I just okay. thought it was slow. I think I think a lot I of thought, the editing oh, in this movie is slow. I never slow. looked at my watch. I, I didn't find it slow. I thought it moved at a good clip. So I, I guess do. you guys you guys differ. I mean, yeah, boy. The only thing I would say at this point is like I wish, you know, obviously now that we're going into this part of this half of the movie. I never felt like they did anything to give something like, uh, you know, like you give that ominous feeling towards your bad guys, but you never gave anything like to give any background. And I figured there was a few spots in the beginning for Bronzy's character to display something oh, other that, than that, stapling that, Christmas that, lights into bricks. That you can world, just do that. That world is, he's not part of that world anymore yet. And I think we learned everything about the bad guys from Volker kicking those three dudes' asses. But anyway, it, it worked for me. It, it, it wasn't quite as on track for the three of you guys. The masked, intru- the masked intruders enter the massive estate and stealthily make their way upstairs. The crew's leader, Drake, happens to look down upon the Henderson family eating dinner down below in the dining room, and he quietly alerts Ken there are their people home, but that the crew is to keep the Ken's like, so do we get out of here? Do we abort? He's like, no, keep quiet, stick to the plan. 
We're still going to steal the computer disks and hard drives, and we can still leave without anybody knowing we're here. They are knee-deep in that pot roast. There's a half bottle of wine on the table. We can do our shit and get out of here before they know we're here. It almost works. Almost. Just as they get the gear and are exiting out of the side door, they fucking pulled it off. They got the shit. Riley, troublemaker, hears a sound from a nearby room, and despite Drake telling him, just let's go, let's go, let's go, he decides to check it out, as there might be someone potentially on the other side of the door he can strangle. Fucking Riley. So Riley enters the dining room, gun first, and there's the Hendersons. He tells, nobody makes a move. That's my thing. But once he pistol whips Stephen to the ground, Lauren grabs a fork and charges at Drake, who quickly chokes her out. Young Justin runs for it, but he runs right into Ken, who punches his daylights out. I actually thought that was a pretty good scene. The whole where he, run, where he runs out of the room and the other guy's standing there. Hello there. Bow. Any bad guy worth his salt should be able to take down little Justin in one yeah. punch. And I will say that the 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 hockey mask slash Halloween mask, they're very effective. They, they look, look great. They uh, look good on film. They really did. And you could tell that the cinematographer thought so too, because like there's about six scenes in this thing to where it's just the bad guy going looking look, into the camera. It looked good. It looked it's really good. Home invasion horror. And it's it uh, there are elements of that spence that remind me of of straight up horror movies like Your Next and The Strangers, where the mask was part of the suspense. Yeah, uh, I think they they did capture that. And I have to think that's the point of wearing those masks. If they do encounter people in these jobs, you're obviously going to be a lot more. Uh, intimidated by these masks than just some stockings over your head. Well, that was the point, Riley. Well, I know. I didn't Volker say it to them when they were sitting in the car. He said, "Wear masks in case you're caught on camera." Yeah, just in case they have some cameras. Uh, wear masks. Wear gloves. Don't leave fingerprints. He's smart. Riley's not. Uh, Riley is loving all of this. You know, Riley's a tough badass too because he wears a leather jacket, no mask. And he's got his, like, Punisher school t-shirt on. Oh, my God. Well, I figure if, like, Riley, if he was going to put on a mask, it would just be, like, a mask of his own face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Riley, he's loving all this. Chaos and bloodshed get him right in the feels. This is what he wanted. Uh, Drake is super pissed. He orders them to tie the family up. Well, he calls Volker for further instructions. And this is great. We cut when he calls Volker to Volker's dojo, and he's still circling around those three goons. It was, it's been like two hours since he took those dudes out, and he's still walking around those three guys. And before he answers his phone, he walks over to the one dude who he didn't snap his neck. He's like, all right, it's time. <laughs> but, dude, there was such a time gap there. He just likes to walk around and look at the dudes whose asses he kicks. Uh, So he snaps the last remaining neck that needs snapping, and he answers Drake's call. Riley doesn't understand why they haven't just killed everybody yet. The Hendersons have seen his face. They have to die. And if they aren't killed, 
and they identify Riley to the police, he'll rat out everyone else. So that should make the decision to slaughter everybody that much simpler to make. That makes the decision to kill Riley easy to make. Yeah, you just you just blow his brains out. He even says that. Like the 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 Ken guy puts a gun to Riley's head, or I could just kill you right now. Do it, Buttercup. Or he says some cool. Pop. And they doesn't do it. Uh, but Volker has ordered that no one is to be killed. Instead, Drake tells his crew, the house is now ours to take whatever we want from it and really teach his family a lesson. But no, you think worst case scenario, that means they're going to rape Lauren and do something super traumatic to this family. But no, it just means that Ken starts skimming through the Henderson's bookshelf to see if there's anything else to read on the way home. And Misha, the Russian chick, just takes the Christmas, uh, the star off the top of the Christmas tree. It makes no sense. Like, we're going to teach him a lesson. This house is ours now. All right. Well, I could use that air fryer. Can we take that? Uh, It makes no sense. That whole thing Uh, is stupid. That'll teach the Hendersons. That'll teach them real good. Nice that the Russian girl turns into the Grinch like, no Christmas for you. (laughs) Steps on the star. Just then, Francesca, the maid, returns to the house as she has forgotten something important. And when she sees Drake wearing his skull mask holding a gun, she screams out, which promptly uh, causes Riley to shoot her dead right in the forehead. And it also, the gunshot prompts the gardener to put down the book about wildflowers he was reading. Really? He just loves gardening. Jumps out of bed and he gets dressed. It's gardening time. Or... It's gardening time. Uh, I guess you could. I guess you could say the gardener's about to get his hands dirty. Well, I mean, like I said once again, I just get no feeling like there's there's more to his story. Like I want him to like put down the book, and it's just nothing but like a wall of guns. Like that would be a choice. Their ass is grass. And I know many is just up there like sharpening knives, like the guy from Cobra, just so into it. Like, no, he's he's put that life behind uh, him. I just wanted something. Anywho, watching this unfold, I was so excited that some real action was finally going down. Now that the gardener is out of bed and ready to kick ass, I nearly wet my plants, my pants. I nearly wet my pants. Uh, Anywho, the plot thickens. Like a plot of soil? Mm, no. no. Okay, fine. I soiled my pants. Are you happy now? A little bit. Don't judge me, Yakboy. Yakboy, does me soiling my pants make your hat go up a little bit? Mm, no. Don't, don't force it. Don't force it. Yeah. After peeking in the windows and seeing the bad guys arguing and the Henderson family all tied up, Bronzy goes out to his greenhouse and pulls a heavy shovel out of a wheelbarrow. It's time to whoop some ass, baby, gardener style. Once again, this was an ideal thing for him to go get his rifle from the shed. He's not not commando, though. He's the gardener. Or at least, you know, like there'd be like an AR-15 and like a tomato plant. Like that's what's wrapped around it. He just pulls that out. I'm fine with it. He's the gardener. Let's grab that shovel and start beating people. Like a carrot with like a, a pin in it, like a grenade. This is probably out of order, but I'll just say it. I mean, I feel like they missed the boat and that there should have been 10 or 12 bad guys. 
and it should have been more of a diehard scenario. That's why I asked earlier in the beginning if you were aware as to whether or not they had access to film inside the house because with the exterior, that huge house, you could have had it to where you could have dragged that out to where he kills 10 or 12 or 14 guys with yard tools. And I really feel like they missed the boat on that. That's a good point, Doc. I agree. You, you had a the, the, the movie's The Gardener. He could have done a million things with a million different gardening tools. Yeah. Um, but no, he just grabs a shovel out of a wheelbarrow and that's what he, he's doing. I always felt sorry for wheelbarrows. Seems like they're always getting pushed around. For some reason, Drake has now removed his mask so the Hendersons can all see his face, which seems like an odd move. Uh, well, except Steven, who's still the dad, he's still unconscious from getting pistol whipped. So his his poor family is the one suffering. He's he's just out cold. Riley's pressuring Drake to kill everyone when they hear a rumbling noise from outside, and Drake orders Ken to go check it out. Ken roll, Ken uh, runs out to the front yard where he finds a lawnmower sitting still with the engine running loudly. Now, why are you running? Ken says to the lawnmower. That's actually a thing that happens in this movie. The guy talks to the lawnmower. You little guy making all that noise? <laughs> you little guy making all that noise? Uh, just then, the gardener emerges from the bushes and smacks the shit out of Ken with his trusty shovel. The two men battle out in a fairly extensive fistfight, with Bronzy taking his fair share of lumps from the younger thug. But eventually, the gardener realizes he can use the tools of his trade, Doctor, like you said, to his advantage. So he grabs Ken's hand and sticks it underneath the running lawnmower and it chews it all up into a bloody severed stump. I've always felt sorry for lawnmowers. I just felt like they got shoved around a lot. Then the gardener, speaking of his tools, pierces Ken's chest with the dull end of a hammer. And then he spins around and bashes it to where it goes all the way into his chest, killing the guy. Nailed it. Now, if only you had, if only they had had 10 more deaths over the next 30 minutes that way with yard tools. I agree. I agree. And a Dub Bronson voice, but that's the last time. I'll Dude, that, remember that thing in uh, Friday Part 7 that Jason has, like that weed eater with the spinning blade on it? Dude, he could have killed four guys with a weed whacker. That would have been awesome. You got uh, the classic decapitation with the shears. Did shears and just if the, if the voice was dubbed, you could have said things like "Sorry, it's weed pulling time," or I mean, just anything. But since he was speaking in this Hungarian, that didn't happen. Well, Bronzy surely is no Jason State. Well, even even with him speaking in this Hungarian, they could have wrote that for him. I mean, it's just they totally didn't. Yeah, they could have. I mean, you're right. They could have. I don't think though he's he's at the point where he can deliver one-liners as Bronzy. And he can I, barely he, he can barely say normal stuff as Bronzy, let alone like deliver quirky one-liners. No, if you're if you're not going to dub him, you still I think fa- failure failure number one is not dubbing him. Failure number two in the gardener is you could have had him just open up whoop ass without one-liners just to have fight scenes where he just kills a bunch of dudes with garden tools. Now you'll be pushing up daisies and in the spring I'll trim them. 
Well, you just said if he if he can't deliver the lines, you're not going to have that. But well, I will say something nice. Well, the Bronzy is no Jason Statham or Jet Li, or even a Lorenzo Lamas. He does handle himself fairly well in all the hand-to-hand combat scenes. It helps that the director took the approach of, okay, you hit the person and then you circle around and wait for them to do something. It's a very, it's one of those fight scenes, like the old cowboy movie, like you punch and then you wait. You don't, you don't go all in, but I don't know. I thought it mostly worked. I I was entertained. Okay. So I'm going to feel bad about this. I disagree. I didn't, I wasn't in there for any of his fight stuff except for one that's coming up, and I'll I'll, I'll mention it then. The chick. Yeah, I think that I think that he's slow, and I think that if you're going to choreograph a fight for this guy, you do start out like that. You know, you make a move and then you cut around. But I just think that they're they ask too much for him as a physical fighter actor in this to where he couldn't deliver. So everything was like really, I don't know. It was just kind of stiff. It just wasn't. There, there was too much tumbling going on, and he's just—he's just not—he's just not a good tumbler. He's just not a good physical actor. So that doesn't mean you can't utilize him because you can. And they did it. They did a couple of moves great that I was like, they need to choreograph all their fights yeah. kind of like this, to where he's not—he's not. He's not you know, a defensive martial artist to where make him just a freaking brawler to where he just goes in, takes the punch like a George Foreman, just comes straight at you and just yeah. puts ass out. You know what? That might be the one thing that Death Block 13 did better. His jailhouse fight scenes were a little more that style. Um, but uh, I, I thought for the most part, the fight scenes were, were choreographed okay. Uh, Doctor, as someone who has acted on screen before as yourself, what do you think was Bronzy's motivation in the scene? In which one? I just want to say motivation, like lawnmower motivation. Oh, I see. I'm, trying, uh, I'm trying to make uh, trying to make lemonade out of lemons. Uh, Can I do it though? Have turnip juice. <laughs> It's time to turn up the volume. If less, I think I think what Tut was getting at, and I think you agreed partially, was less kickboxing, more killing with yard tools. When Ken doesn't come back, they head out to look for him, but they find Francesca's body missing, and the Christmas wreath stapled to Ken's dead face instead. No way could she get up. After I shot her in the forehead and do that, medical expert Riley explains. <laughs> I did like this scene. I thought it was good. Shot the, the, the effect of the reef around the dude's face it, is great. You shot he her in the forehead. just said, ho, 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 now I have a weed whacker. <laughs> that would have been perfect. Yes. I just loved Riley. She was laying in a pool of blood from a gunshot wound to the forehead. There's no way she got up and killed, killed Ken. And stapled that wreath to his head. And then I love Drake. There's only one man that could staple a Christmas wreath to a man's head. Who? Who, Drake? Who? The gardener. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. X, were you like, he said it. He said the gardener. He did. He totally did. Uh, okay. Drake and Riley race up to the gardener's living quarters, but he's not there. 
Drake explains that Bronzy was supposed to be the patsy tonight. He was supposed to get the blame for what the crew was stealing, as a lot of questions were going to pop up from this job. Riley demands to know who it is they're dealing with. Just as a military drum cadence starts to play, and Drake pulls a footlocker full of the gardener's many army medals out from underneath his bed. I'll tell you who we're dealing with, Riley. Trouble. So just like Steven Seagal's Navy SEAL chef character in Under Siege, it appears the gardener isn't all he appears to be. Unbelievable, Riley says. No, he doesn't say that. It'd be cool if he did, though, right? No, no, it wouldn't. Terrible. And this is what I was saying. There could have been at least something in the first half of this movie that gave us some indication, like, you know, anything. I think I got it just from he didn't want to talk about the war. But obviously, the guy's a badass. The two criminals enter the greenhouse in search of the gardener, but Riley springs a tripwire that causes Bronzy's beloved staple gun to shoot a staple into his foot. Dude, if he's such a badass, when he aim it at the guy's head? This will slow him down for a second. Well, it's just a nuisance. He's not holding it. It's he's, not going to staple into brick. He's going to rig this whole booby trap just to annoy the bad guy. Ouch. God, that, that hurt a little bit. That stings. I'm going to kill that gardener, Riley says. Out in the driveway, sobbing Hannah has returned early from her overnight date in the city. Turns out her boyfriend was cheating on her. She found out about it. And despite his constant texts asking her to come back into town, she makes it clear to him she just wants him to leave her alone. Leave her alone. I'm sorry. Inside the house, the gardeners in an intense mixed, mixed martial arts battle with the Russian chick, Misha. Even though he's punching and kicking the shit out of a girl, she's a very bad girl, and she's a Russian, so I think it's definitely okay that we're rooting for the gardener. Rooting for the gardener? Uh, yeah, I get it. I heard you the first time. Rooting? Mm-hmm. I like how much of this fight scene. You said you like this fight scene, Tut, as far as compared to the others. I liked what I liked about it. So much of it was shot from up above, mm-hmm. looking down on them. The director did a lot of that with the family dinners, looking down at them. I've always thought that the overhead shot was a really cool perspective that doesn't get used nearly enough in movies. And I, I just I thought the fight scene it worked really really well. And they kind of used this red light in the foyer that seemed natural, but it played really cool. Yeah. You could still see what everybody was doing. I thought it was a really done. Him fighting the chick was by far the best fight scene. Yeah, I, I do like the angle. I thought it utilized the space well. But another thing that they did through this deal is that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to kickbox her. There was a lot of just brute force type stuff. Like she, would, would. Come, she would be the she would be the kick the kickboxer martial art type stuff, and she sold it well. She sold her her fight choreography well but like there was this one deal to where she comes in and he just sidesteps her and just basically smacks her on the back of the head and it looks great and that's why i was like that's what you need this guy to do you don't need him to sit there and parry and do all this you know ninjutsu stuff just have him like one step to the side smack but there was a couple scenes where he knocked her down and when she got up he would kick 
kicker right in the chest, mm-hmm. kicker back down. It, it Just simple, simple kicks like that. I mean, simple punches, simple kicks. Try yeah. to keep the rolling and the and the judo down. Yeah. No, his kicks were like when I've seen like my seventy year old father. Like Keith like, Richards kicks in a Rolling Stones concert. It's about knee high, and that's the best <laughs> you're gonna get. I was gonna say I've seen my seventy year old father in law like kick the trash can down to the curb. Like. <laughs> That, that's about the extent of the finesse of Bronzy, but it worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, finally, uh, Misha goes for her pistol. Eventually, these guys get tired of fighting, and they go for a knife or a pistol. But Bronzy reaches his first, and he blows her brains out all over a screaming Hannah who just walks in the front door and <laughs> brains all over her face. Well, Drake calls Volker on the phone yet again to get more instructions. The crime boss says he'll be there in five minutes and I'll take care of this mess myself. Riley hears a noise outside. And when he goes out to investigate, Bronzy gives her the cue, Hannah, now. And she turns on a string of Christmas lights, which blinds and disorients Riley so much that uh, the gardener can get jump up and put a bullet in him. But he doesn't shoot him in the head. He shoots him in the gut. Bronzy and Hannah run back inside and quickly untie mom, dad, and brother. As they escape from the house, Stephen, the dad, keeps whispering, if you guys just give me a second, I can fix all this. But at this point, nobody's listening to him. Uh, as a father of two, I, I certainly related to that scene. Um, Riley's bleeding out fast, but he swears that he'll have his revenge on that damn gardener if it's the last thing he ever does. And he's in luck because just then the family runs across the front yard and a gun battle between Bronzy and Drake and Riley breaks out. Mom and Hannah haul ass in one direction back to the house. Well, dad hides underneath a car, TNCC style. I love that. He's like, no, I'm just going <laughs> to ease under here. Just going to get out of the way here. Let's see how this plays. I'm going to just take a breather. Bronzy tells young Justin to make a run for the neighbors and call the cops. Get some help. Lauren and her daughter lock themselves in an upstairs bedroom just in time as Riley starts banging on the door, screaming he's going to kill them all. Within seconds, he's broken through, and after he punches mom a few times in the belly, he corners Hannah and tells her he's going to rape her after he's done murdering her. Jeez. Luckily for Hannah, mom peels herself off the floor and shatters a flower vase over Riley's head before he can do any of that bad stuff. The women run down to the kitchen with a severely wounded Riley in hot pursuit. 153 shows. Hot pursuit, I've said in every one of them. But just as he raises his gun to shoot him, the gardener steps in the kitchen door and flings his pair of pruning shears like a ninja star, embedding them deep in Riley's chest, killing him. There you go. I can can dig that. I can get behind that. Time for you to take a dirt nap, punk. He doesn't say that, but it'd be cooler if he did. Would have been cooler if he did. Absolutely. But, Doctor, you had to like him using some of the tools of his trade to kick some ass. I, I like that. Just wish there had been more of it. No Johnson grass in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> then he takes Riley's gun and uses it to put a bullet in the asshole's forehead. That's that. I like this thing. Because, you know, he's supposed to be this hard ass who's like, you know, seen a lot of shit. The dude's on the ground with the shears in him, 
picks up his gun, blows him in the face, shoots him in the face, and the blood goes all over mom's face. It's like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. He's not fucking around anymore. He's pissed. Lauren grabs Hannah to leave, but just then, father of the year, Stephen, calmly enters the kitchen and explains to his wife, this is our house. There's no need to go anywhere. We're perfectly safe here. Granted, they were just tied up for the last three hours. Oh, and he gets on Bronzy for touching touching his daughter. I don't want a gardener touching my teenage daughter. Let's go. We're, we're, we're not going anywhere. And while you're scratching your head about that, uh, what Steven's delivering, evil Volker suddenly struts in the kitchen. He's back to wearing his badass leather jacket and a black T-shirt and chain. And he immediately shoots Bronzy in the leg. Boom. Take him out. When Drake pops in and tells his boss, Volker's like, where's the rest of the team? Everybody's dead, boss. This really pisses Volker off. Fuck! He hates people dying on his jobs. I thought that was kind of a unique thing. You never see crime bosses really that upset about innocent loss of life. He hates it. Which makes sense. It's messy. He doesn't like mess. He's got to hire more people. Steven informs the bad guys he's going to take his family in the next room while the men finish off the gardener. And finally, his wife Lauren is like, all right, enough. you got to give me some answers. What the fuck's going on here? Turns out that Steven hired Volker. The dad hired these guys to steal his company's hard drives and computer disks. His company's insurance will pay him handsomely for the loss. And get this, I've arranged for a buyer to buy the stolen disks, so we'll get paid twice. They'll never, we'll never have to worry about money again. Aren't I brilliant? As his wife and daughter drenched in blood, in blood. stare at him. And he oh, looks yeah. at it. I love this line. He looks at his wife. I seriously thought you'd be impressed. <laughs> what a clueless fuck. Uh, unsurprisingly, she's not impressed by the news of her husband's involvement with the hellish nightmare that's been going on the last few hours. Volker then stomps on Bronzy's leg wound a couple times, you know, keep that pain going. And then he aims his gun at Steven, the dad. What's from stopping me from just selling the data to the buyers myself? Steven hadn't thought of that one. So Volker shoots uh, him in the gut, puts a bullet in the sad bastard's stomach. That's going to take a while to die from. Volker's kicking it. He's serious now. Lauren crouches down to comfort her husband, and Volker asks why. I hardly know him. Even I know he's a wanker. (laughs) That tracks. That guy was a wanker. Uh, Suddenly the gardener comes to on the ground, pulls out his backup pair of pruning shears. Every good gardener carries two. And he slices or clips Drake's Achilles tendon with his backup pair of pruning shears. He then jumps off off the kitchen floor Pounds Drake into dust and then starts fighting with Volker. Now they did something really because obviously Volker's a badass. Yeah. They did something really smart here. Volker's has a gun and uh, Bronzy pushes it up next to Volker's head and fires it to where it disorients and deafens Volker and makes his ears bleed. So he's kind of out of it. Because that's the only way you're going to get any kind of fight with these guys if. Volker's handicap. And make it believable, yeah. Yeah, you've got to handicap Volker. So that, that was smart. That was very smart. Uh, his ears are ringing. He's disoriented. 
but the odds are a little more even. Uh, nonetheless, Volker starts kicking Bronzy's ass, but every once in a while our hero is able to smack him in the side of the head and get, you know, he works that he, like a good boxing match. He's got a, he's got a weakness. He keeps working that ear. Uh, bad guys fight dirty, but that's okay because the gardener loves to play in the dirt. When Volker pulls out a dagger and stabs Bronzy in the side with it, Bronzy grabs his wrist, pulls the dagger up, and then stabs it right in the top of Volker's head, killing him instantly. It's a cool scene, but if he had thrown him into the yard, he had fallen into a wood chipper, and the voice was dubbed, then he then said, you've been fertilized. That would have been a better ending. Or your fertilizer. But none of that happens. No. That, that would have been good. I agree. As the woman gather around the wounded Bronzy to thank him for saving their family and to help, at one point they step over their wounded dad <laughs> to, get to, to get to Bronzy. Uh, Drake pops up from the floor and raises his gun one last time. <sighs> Merry fucking Christmas, he screams. As he starts to pull the trigger, but across the room, young Justin, who's never held a gun before, pulls his trigger just a little bit faster and shoots Drake in the head. Justin then steps on his father as he runs into the kitchen and hugs his mom and sister. Justin, I told you to run away. They're my roots, Justin replies, looking at his mom and sister. I had to protect them. He was listening, boys. Justin was listening in those little garden lessons. Yeah. Message. Message. How great. How much would it have cost him to get Keenan Ivory Wayans just to pop out a few times in this thing? More than they could afford. <laughs> that, that dude's happily retired. He's not popping out anywhere. Oh, where are you guys shooting this? Bulgaria? Nah, fuck that. I'm going to watch the Lakers game. Y'all have fun with that shit. <laughs> it's a four week shoot. Where? Romania? Yeah. Uh. So they all limp their way out to the car. Mom climbs behind the wheel and tells the kids not to worry. If they get to the hospital soon, Bronzy will be okay. No, no mention of dad, who's also in the car, uh, <laughs> bleeding to death. Vehicle gets 40 kilometers to the hectare. <laughs> then, she looks, then she does look at her severely wounded husband and tells him, when I'm done with you, you'll wish you hadn't survived. That's fair. He really fucked up here. Uh, as they drive off, Bronzy promises to teach her how to make a vegetarian goulash when he's all better. Looks like Jan- Justin and Hannah might have a new stepdad when this is all said and done. Am I right? Do your chores or else you're dead meat. The end. You guys, did you guys get the thing that he was going to hook up with the with the mom? Again. Bronzy. If, Bron- if Bron- his the voice dad. had been dubbed, maybe. <laughs> Who's your daddy? I teach you to make goulash. Since you didn't, since you didn't have any lines like "Who's your daddy" or anything resembling it, no. Yeah. Did did him Yak Boy? Did him telling her he was gonna teach her to make a delicious goulash make your hat go up? Maybe one more notch. Oh, all right. Usually we we do something on St. Patty's Day, which really gets that hat erect. And I feel like I failed the hat this year, and that's on me. 
That's on. That's on me. That's on me. It, it's got a one nice left. It's got. Oh, there's only one left. There's one left. Oh, jeez. So that's the the end of our film. Until did you guys stick around till after the credits? No. When Bronzy returns to the country manor and scoops Lauren up and takes her to his upstairs attic apartment. Yak boy, is it getting is it getting you, you feeling the hat raising? This didn't happen. I know. He's like, it's seed planting time. I, I can't force it. You know what? Don't don't force it. This is on me. Next year I'm gonna make sure that hat goes full erect in the first 30 minutes of the show. I'm going to blow that goddamn hot hat off your head next year. <laughs> Bruce, ah. Bruce Willis, Color of Night, orgasm style. Whoa! <laughs> That's it, Dr. Whoa! <laughs> uh, you know what? Next St. Patty's Day, we'll just do Color of Night again. <laughs> There's got to be something green in that movie. Okay. Wait, can we do it in the bronzy place? Yes. Yes, we can. Well, I just... I, I, I have to admit I was disappointed in this one. French it's... composer Philippe LaRue says oh, that God. every great memorial... No, I'm not... There's nothing uh, French composer Philippe LaRue would say, but... You know what? I'm, not, I'm honestly... A little surprise, Tut. Uh, I enjoyed this movie astronomically better than Assault or Escape from Death Block 13. Well, that's, I, a, I, that's a relativity scale right there. That's like yeah, saying you drank a cup of piss and it was better than a cup of shit. I th- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I actually like 13 because the, the actors, the characters were so bad. They were so over the top. That it just to me that was just fun camp. I mean, it was just there wasn't anything there, so I just had fun with it. This I don't know. I was expecting a little bit more from it, I guess. It didn't deliver, and so I'm just kind of like, I think there just needs to be a litmus test from now on. Is the voice if the if the voice is dubbed, then you know we make a run at it. But if it's not, then man, I just they kind of destroyed my faith in them with this with this one. I Man, thought I thought I said that Todd, I, I used too many words. I thought he was I thought he was likable and rough around the edges, and in no way did anything I see in this propel me to watch another Bronx yeah. speak with his own voice. I, I did think it was a far superior technical film than uh, technically I agree with you. Yeah, the look of it, the construction the look of, of it. it the I wish the pace was I wish the pace was a little bit faster, but I know. like the pace of it. I love the everyone else. I thought the acting was was kept me going. Um but yeah, I I I, I think it's kind of time for us to to put what we want Bronzy aside, what we want him to be in our lives cuz that's just not happening right now. We need to yeah. put that on we need to put that on a shelf. Because we're just we're just not gonna get that at this time. So I will say you're agreeing with me. Then I mean, if he if you don't dub the voice, there's no point to movie centered around this guy. It doesn't matter. We love the manor. We love the supporting actors. Who gives a fuck if if you don't dub the voice with Bronzy? I'm 
all for you doing it. Let's pay you money and have you do it. I'm all for you doing it. If you're not going to dub the voice with Bronson's voice, who gives a shit? It doesn't well, matter. What it, just, it just seems like a lot to, to base a major motion picture on, a feature film on, and, and leave that out. Yes, it's everything. It's everything. And it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It'd be kind of like we did a movie. Uh, what was the the commando spoof that we did? Uh, no chance or yeah, no chance. It'd be like if that guy who didn't really look that much like Arnold, but that was the the gist of it. He's supposed to be this Arnold like guy, but he talked in a in a at least in an attempt at an Arnold voice, and that's what made that work. If he had just talked in a normal voice. And kind of look like Arnold. It, it, the movie wouldn't have worked at all. If you're basing this on, we got this guy that looks like Charles Bronson. Well, that's fifty percent of it. We also want him to sound like Charles Bronson, and that's what's going to do this thing. So, yeah, I, I, I think despite what Bronzy might want, I think it would be in Bronzy's best interest. And hey, it's less work for him. You just say whatever you want on set. We're going to dub it over with a with with a stupid podcaster doing a stupid Bronson voice. So don't worry about it. If you get a line wrong, this, this asshole in Texas is going to say it for you anyway. So I, I, I think there is something to Do it. Dulcimo. Do, Do it. Dulcimo. Slowly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, you know what? I, but you know what? I don't regret giving uh bronzy a third chance. I, I did have fun talking about it and I did have fun. Uh, I think we needed this third bronzy he's been a part of our lives now for a couple years and but i i'm with officially with the doctor i think unless you're gonna go all in on bronzy i think i've got enough bronzy that said i am gonna watch that damn exorcist movie (laughs) okay well by some chance if, if he's you know yeah if he bring if he brings it you know i'll 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 put it i'll bring it to you but that's the whole thing, right? The, I'll, I'll watch it, whether it's a horror movie, Western, action movie, whatever. I will watch it if they have that guy dub the voice. Yeah. yeah. If you're not going to do it, I'm not going to watch it. And by the way, I have it on record. The director of Death Kiss, Rene Perez, who did a really good job with that film, watched our episode on that and told me that if he were to do another bronzy movie, he would use my voice. He would let me do the dubbing for bronze. So maybe we can make that happen. That would be awesome. Uh, doubt it. I won't hold my breath. That one earns it. But guys, (laughs) there you go. Hey, that would give you a full hard on hat. My friend, there we go. We got it. Uh, well, thanks everybody for uh, sticking with us and having some fun with us. Uh, I hope that when we do these bronzy movies, they they are much more fun to listen to or to watch on YouTube than the actual film. That's the whole point. Uh, we kind of make them what we think would be. We tell you why they what would make them better, and uh, you don't have to watch the actual thing. So uh, thank you for uh, dropping in. I hope we make your St. Patty's Day a little bit fun. Hope you. Sit, sitting at home with some Guinness or some Spruce Willis's. Oh, I, oh, that's what I want to say real quick. Because he does do these straight-to-video, low-budget action movies now, 
I did have the thought of with Gary Daniels as the villain and with a decent plot, you know, a gardener with the past and all that there, I did have a fleeting thought that I would like to see this movie made with Bruce Willis as the gardener. Oh yeah, sure. Because then you could do the one-liners because that's his thing. You could have him just this 14 bad guys. You could have him just this American special forces guy that's, hiding out in in Europe as a gardener now. And he would have the closet filled with machine guns and (laughs) everything. And he would, like like the doctor said, get 12 bad guys to invade that house at night and let Willis's the gardener pick them off with gardening shit one by one. That, I did have that fleeting thought, like this movie would be so much better with Bruce Willis as the gardener. Even bad Bruce Willis now. Who yeah, doesn't give a shit? It would be it, it would it would be fun. Oh, bad, no, bad Bruce Willis would make this movie fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because, because, because bad Bruce Willis doesn't give a shit. What'd you say, Doctor? No, I, I was just saying that. Yeah, the I, I I agree. Yeah, the the totally disinterested doesn't give a shit. Wish I didn't have to do this, Bruce Willis. You throw him out there and you give him some one liners, then kill fourteen guys with garden tools. Bruce, could you pick up that peach and smell it? I'm not doing that. Doing that. Bruce, if you're going to hang the Christmas lights with Justin, you need to be standing on that mark over there. I'm standing on this one. It's still good. (laughs) Bruce, if you could just take a bite of the pot roast. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Go fuck yourself. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just food for thought. I thought this could be a a good Bruce Willis movie. I agree. Loved it. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the ca- the Cavalier Cigar, whatever its name is, Smokers Have Exclusive, three thumbs up. If you're, if you're looking for a cool candela, uh, both by the presentation and the smoke profile uh, itself, definitely worth 10 bucks. Order some online at Smokers Abbey. Uh, also, follow them on Instagram. They post all the new shit they get there, and they ship nationwide. As far as beers go, uh, Spruce Willis was awesome. Uh, doctor, I'm sorry about the lemony. You know what? It ended up working. Well, at midnight, everything works. I mean, <laughs> this isn't the endorsement you want to hire me to do a TV commercial for. The Tuesday Night Cigar Club doctor said, meh, it ended up working. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> It got me drunk enough to sleep tonight without the usual nightmares. Got me where I needed to be. It was good enough. <laughs> uh, and then you guys, of course, had delicious Guinness. And uh, I, I would say uh, somehow, by some miracle, Yak Boy's leprechaun hat got fully erect. So I'm going to quit while we're ahead and call tonight a success. Uh, Tut, give us some links. All right, so uh, join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You can join us on Twitter at TNCCCast. Join us on Instagram at TNCC underscore podcast. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. There you go. I think that's it. Uh, Thanks, everybody. We'll be uh, back soon with another episode to uh, entertain your eyes and ear holes. And... uh, if his hat didn't get erect earlier, it would have when I said that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, keep in mind 
anything. God, I'd love that hat. Uh, keep in mind, we wish you that the wings of liberty should never lose a feather. Keep fighting the good fight wherever you are. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you in these troubling times. But let's keep the good times rolling. There's always room for the good times. Let's do it. Sayonara, motherfuckers. We'll see you next time. To learn more about the time I worked as a department store leprechaun during J.C. Penney's big St. Patrick's Day celebration back in 1987, only to be accused, and this time wrongfully, I might add, of pinching several employees' asses who weren't wearing green on that most sacred of days, you can watch an early cut of my hard-hitting expose titled, Wait a Minute, How Do I Know Which Side You're On Anyways? You might be working for those J.C. Penney bastards. How do I know I can trust you? And wait just another goddamn minute. Are you wearing green today? Get over here. Get over here right now and get ready to have your butt cheeks pinched just like back in 1987 when I pinched the shit out of the... Okay, forget I said that. Damn, you guys are clever and tenacious. In the meantime, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, please visit SmokersAbbeyAustin.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I